0: we're all here for different reasons and and I feel like my purpose is to to disrupt to shake things up a little bit and to really empower and enable others that are that are really doing the work on the ground and so what is it that I'm doing in my work that maybe I can train others to do so that they can be more impactful and I can go back
1: and just garden. (laughs) That was Nicole Masters and you're listening to The Regenerative Journey.
2: G'day, welcome back to The Regenerative Journey and episode two of the season, season seven. Before I launch into our guest this week, I just want to um, thank again and acknowledge uh, Highland Beef as our show sponsors for season seven. It's the second season in a row. Very much appreciate their support. There'll be plenty of discussions with them along the way in this next in this current season and um, events to announce and a few other cool things that's going to be happening Um uh, with our collaborators Highland Beef, if you don't know what they do, check out Highland Beef Pastoral um, their uh, their website. And also, um, again, if you don't know, they essentially place um, young long, young uh, livestock cattle on uh, on their member farmers' farms to fatten on grass, and then they um, supply that beef to discerning and hungry and appreciative. Uh, customers in the united states it's a fantastic system i just love the fact that um our beautiful quality beef is being appreciated by um those overseas because the reality is about 80 percent of the beef produced in australia does go overseas so the higher proportion the higher proportion of that that can be grass um fed and finished um i think that's a really good thing so, what are the other great uh, announcement, and you'll be hearing it on uh, on the, you would have heard it on the previous episode and, and ensuing episodes, is um, our very exciting launch of our webinar series, um, which is uh, your regenerative journey. It's called your regenerative journey. It's over over eight weeks. You'll, there's a big blurb in the uh, in, in this episode somewhere in the middle. There you'll hear all about. But we're excited about that. We've got some amazing. Um, experts from, from uh, around Australia and an international one as well, uh, Nicole Masters. And we're very, very excited to have them on board, um, and helping to, uh, you to continue or, or start your own regenerative journey, um, over those eight weeks. Virtual webinars and resources and content that you can access on a platform and culminating in a farm tour on the 13th of October. So if you're interested, get on to um, charlieart.com.au on the events and events page and grab your tickets now. Um, now to Nicole. It was such a lovely opportunity that we had to sit. She had done, I think it was three weeks of just complete madness and busyness in Australia. She hadn't been here for probably three years since, I think, just before COVID. Um, and so she came back, she had a series of, Um, uh, courses and workshops and so on, one of which I attended the last one, a leadership um, course uh, at Braidwood at Martin Roids property there and um, at Tombara and lucky to be there with uh, Nicole and about 40 or so other people and also the day after we sat down and had a really good yarn. It was interesting because um, I might have mentioned this somewhere, Oh, no, I probably didn't mention it actually in the interview. But before Nicole, we were before we turned on the, the record button, she said, oh, we're not really going to talk about my life too much, are we? And I, and I sort of went, oh, well, that's pretty much what this is all about. Anyway, it was quite funny. We did. Um, we had a really long and, and wonderful yarn. Um, it's quite long, this one. And the interesting thing is we didn't actually talk about soil very much, probably 10 or 15 minutes. Um, and we felt more of an obligation given she is the soil siren uh, to include some soils chats. But we had lovely chats about um, about <laughs> Indigenous pyramids, um, ancient civilizations, um, different realms, um, all sorts of crazy wonderful things relating to food, to farming, uh, to health of humans and the environment. We talked about some of her exciting new projects. Um, but you'll just have to listen to it to get the full download of what she's up to, what she's been up to, and um, please enjoy as much as um, I did recording it, listening to um, Nicole Masters now on The Regenerative Journey. Beautiful Hi. as he sounds. You know, that's, a, that's a, me- a meddler, this tree. Oh, yeah. It's, an, it's a – I'm just trying to impress you with my horticultural
0: – Do it.
2: Background. No, it's, it's, yeah, it's just a beautiful tree. I noticed yeah. it, and it's got those little berries, and they um, blet, so they get they go brown,
3: mm-hmm.
2: sort of yellow, green, yellow, brown, and then when they get soft, you collect them and you put them in a, like a tray at the back of the house or somewhere,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and um, not in direct sun, and then they, they rot, and then you can use, yeah, and then they, like a persimmon. And then,
0: and then they, you get drunk on them or?
2: No, no, they're not. I don't think they become like f- ferment. They just sort of, ble- yeah, bled, I guess, rot. Yeah. And then you can make your jellies and paste oh, and everything else. They're, they are the most exquisite um, thing. There you go. First minute. you are already giving everyone a lesson on meddlers. Um, Nicole Masters. <laughs>
0: and you don't need to impress me. <laughs> <laughs>
2: okay. Okay, I'll tick that Pressure box. Off. Okay, I'll just tick that note yep, in my yep, little okay. book it, there, impress It was Nicole. number one on your list here. It was. We're, we're sorted. I think after some um, a bit of pissing around and moving mm-hmm. our table, we've mm-hmm. settled. Nicole Masters, welcome to the regenerative journey and welcome to the garden here at Gillinatong, mm-hmm. just outside Braidwood.
0: Yeah, we couldn't have
1: picked a better spot.
2: It is beautiful, isn't mm-hmm. it? It is beautiful. Martin Roids, beautiful man of the years. Second mm-hmm. interview I've done here. So I'm, oh, cool. I know, don't feel like, you know. Not number the, one. The, 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 is it the bridesmaid <laughs> or whatever it is? Um, <laughs> well, No, Marie a little bit like that, yeah. <laughs> it's no, fine. Mar- Marie Lowe's. So it was actually three years ago. Um, it was 2020 and it was just after the, the bushfires. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, a couple of months after. And Marie and I sat um, in the garden here and had an interview. However, mm, this, is, time. this is – this it was, wasn't it? And mm-hmm. so we just for the viewers um, and the listeners who – I won't even touch that video because it's going to just bugger it up. I won't do, I won't do a spin round. But um, <laughs> there's – It's very beautiful. Do you, you want to sort of describe um, – I don't know what we're looking at and the significance of that,
0: please. Well, it's a stunning time of the year. I think we're seeing all the colours change with the – non-native, new natives, <laughs> trees, and then we're looking down into this, it's not a super deep valley, mm. uh, to where Martin's been putting in the leaky weirs. You can see all the water and the bird life and the diversity and then up against what is, I have no idea, a very, very old, old, old volcano. What do
2: you think that Yeah, was? I think so. It, it, I, I have um, been going down a few rabbit holes about indigenous Pyramids,
0: mm-hmm. not necessarily in Australia, but elsewhere. Well, uh, Amazon. That, and the, I, I didn't want to say that, but that would make sense, right? And then you think about the significance of this property that is really drawing a lot of attention internationally. We were just filming a documentary here mm. um, with a with a crew that are traveling around the world looking at what different innovations are arising, and they were very interested in what Martin's doing. And it, there's a lot of properties I go to that are doing some really significant things, and there are pyramids. Near them, all of them.
2: What countries can you tell?
0: Um, North America is where I've been based these days. So, North America, New Zealand is <laughs> yeah. in these things, yeah. but significant um, landforms.
2: Yeah. And and that is a, is that a, a, like a widely known fact or is it just like a few people know and kind of don't talk about it or what, what where, where, why? Why don't we know more about them? Why, why don't we learn about the pyramids in North America at school?
0: Oh, wow. Well, It is one of these new discoveries, and I think there's so much going on right now if you look at what's on Netflix and documentaries, and some of that's way out there, and um, I think sometimes we as humans look for patterns that maybe just reaffirm our own bias, but in my view, there is some significant rocks in America that uh, are not natural formations that people are investigating now, and it's starting to come to the surface. So I think in some circles it's been very well known, but if you ever come to America, you've got to come and see the megaliths of Montana.
2: I'm, that's on my list already. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Extraordinary. I think it's fascinating. The, the, the you, So on you, Netflix, you're referring to um, uh, catastrophic – no, Apocalypse. Apopuli- uh, was it? Apocalypse. Ancient apocalypse. That's it, with yeah. – um, It's a chappy's name. Mm -hmm. I can't remember his name. I'd rather not talk about it. Oh. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. Don't like it?
0: No, well, you know, I I mean, I have friends that have worked with him and and friends that have, uh, people that are kind of in those circles, but. uh, Just a hint. I just feel like if we are working in this space, we still live in the physical realm and we still need to really bring our. Just our awareness that there's different ways of seeing the world, but also that we are not discounting other viewpoints. And there's something in that documentary where I feel like there's different views that aren't aren't being shared. And if you if you're a journalist, then you're a journalist, and a journalist presents um, a broader view, so you can have a conversation. And I just I don't know I don't really want to talk about it. I feel. Like, these are the opportunities for us to be bringing things to the surface to have wider discussions than just push our own personal agendas.
2: Fair call. Um,
0: and I'm not saying I disagree with a whole lot of stuff in yeah. it. I'm not saying I agree with a whole lot of it. I'm just saying let's um, – sorry.
2: Mosquito. Oh, What's a mosquito doing around in, like, 15-degree weather? Oh, isn't you it amazing? In Braidwood. It must be water. Almost the water.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I shouldn't kill them.
2: <laughs> no, oh, no, 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 well. he's fine. He's limping away. <laughs> Not really. Um, just to, just before we leave that topic, which is fascinating, yes. and I and I don't disagree at all because I, you know, I think there's a pretty hard line kind of view um, uh, perpetuated there. I did. I was listening to an interesting podcast the other day, and the guy had been had been to one of. That like that kind of the you name. Know, his his um like a field day he took like a mm-hmm. like a tour. Mm-hmm. It might have been over a few days and was in North America somewhere. Mm-hmm. And the topic of giants came up. Mm-hmm. And and oh mate, Doco man just pff, straight gone. No, nah, not not was not any turning the idea of that at all. And I think mm-hmm. it's having gone down a few rabbit holes with that. Not even rabbit holes. They're not actually that deep. No, I don't. But think I th- so. But I think it's uh, that that again fascinates me. And that was a one a little uh, amber light that went off, going oh maybe. He's not as open as others.
0: I I feel things like giants, things like um, Bigfoot, things, the little people, is to speak to the indigenous and to see the world a little bit through their eyes and to see that some of these experiences are not in this dimension and to be just open to the inquiry of, We see such a narrow piece of the world. I mean, we don't even see what a bee can see, let alone a microbe, how it can view the world. Like, our views are so narrow of what we can see in light and in energy, and then then we're arrogant enough to say that's not true. When it's like, no, we just can't see it, and we don't have the technology to be able to measure it. But I have some very reputable people in my life that have seen things. Some of them are documented. Um and some of them, are they're not crazy people, right? They're not just fringe dwellers. And I feel like this, this conversation is expanding and then there is, where is the conversation actually just totally putting people off instead of, hey, there's some really interesting things that bring wonder and curiosity because really we know so little. Like we're rewriting history right now with the discoveries even of Gobleki Tepe and it's like why – are we so arrogant to think that we know when so much of our history has been writ- rewritten, destroyed, wiped over, and so I don't have really super strong opinions about a lot of it because I'm like, we still are learning stuff, and so I'm going to let that kind of just flow through and not be super judgy about the whole thing and not be shut down to the whole thing and bring it.
2: Put it on the table and just see who kind of picks it up. Yeah,
0: Maybe. Maybe I think I'm 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 attracted to people that are doing interesting things and are maybe thinking outside the box and and then just walking a little bit in their steps sometimes of like what do what you see and what what do you believe's happened in this landscape and how much do we know?
2: You know, a word that comes to mind is um, discerning. Mm. So that yeah, the, the thing that I mentioned to you the other day. The positive intelligent stuff and, mm-hmm. and, and, and and mental fitness
3: mm.
2: touches on that mm-hmm. that we we can be judgmental, uh-huh. which is a place of I don't know criticism or kind of
0: wrong right
2: right wrong yeah is that, yeah good call uh, and the word that is presented as a kind of a, a, a attitudinal sort of a, adjustment to viewing the world and an approach in the world is discernment be discerning which is kind of a neutral position.
0: Yeah, and I feel like we've lost it and that's what's allowed fake news and polarization and people just not even knowing who they can trust or where they can look. Can you, you can't trust the research. You can't trust the media. And it's like suddenly that leaves a big hole for very dark, um, extreme conspiracy mentalities that uh, I feel like is a, is a consequence of people just having no trust. And and it's like, well, where where do you trust? Can you trust your community? Do you even trust yourself? If we think of all of this as the inner and the outer landscapes, that I think it speaks to something so much bigger. And this is what we need for this time and place is how do we become resilient? How do we become adaptive and complex in our thinking and our ability to, to distill through all of this garbage that's coming at us?
2: You have very concise answers. You're not that's giving. You're not giving enough time to make little notes. little oh, um, that, notes. That's not a criticism. I'm not being judgmental. I'm just letting you know. You're not
3: being judgmental. No, 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 no. Oh, no, no, no right, I like choice. it. I
2: liked. I liked. Which was a. Which was certainly a, a theme. Mm-hmm. Not not judgmental, but the theme. So just for the um, listeners and viewers' um, uh, benefit. Um, I was lucky enough to attend a two-day leadership workshop with um, your good self and Megan. Megan's her name? Megan Lennon. Lennon.
0: Lennon Lennon. of Barney Creek
2: Livestock. Yeah, and so my right hand girl. Yeah, totally. She's yeah. awesome. Um, she's amazing. Yes. And it was sure. such a lovely dynamic between the two of you yeah, and she's hilarious. She is funny. And mm-hmm. um because you're very serious and kind of, you know there's a polarization. I'm, I'm actually not.
3: <laughs>
0: it's just I that I have to keep my lid on because I'm very mischievous and I'm very tactless and I'm very crude and so my public persona is my well-behaved self.
2: <laughs> this video will go nowhere. Don't worry, so. no, I'm <laughs> I don't care. Um, video is going nowhere. Nah, um, Hi, mom. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 what? Can you um, maybe let's just jump into that for a minute? Because um, in terms of sort of polarization, came mm-hmm. up in the in the in the workshop. Yeah. Um, uh, we didn't we didn't talk about giants, unfortunately. Unfortunately, but catch you,
0: another workshop.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, I did
0: twist Charlie's arm
3: just to get
2: into a leadership <laughs> one. He's like, I got leadership. I don't need to no, go. No, 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 come can, along. No, no, okay. Can Charlie. I start just just, just to just defense. to deflect that one? <laughs> um, uh, no, well, not no. Um, no, thank you for saying no. so, and I so enjoyed the couple of days. Oh, goodness, it thanks. was so much stuff. Was what? Well, well, some of it was a reminder, which is always good. Yeah. A lot of it was new. I love the polarisation stuff, which I want you to sort of step into.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, I love the format. And 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 it was interesting when I got there on just as a little deep dive, mm-hmm. when I got there on Monday, I was quite anxious. Yeah. I don't know why. I kind of had to go for walks at breaks and go, why am I feeling mm. – yeah, it was a bit like that, you know. Yeah. I don't know why, and I was trying to put my finger on it. I don't know about who was there, mm-hmm. why I was there, should I be there. No, I wasn't sure. I knew I should have been there, but...
0: It was a pretty powerful group of people.
2: It was, mm-hmm. and I don't know I don't know if it was like a defensive thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm rabbiting on. Well, um, no, but I
0: think it, that's the first pieces to reflect on this that happens, and sometimes it, it's just energetic, sometimes it's past, sometimes it, it's just your body defending itself, and I think... Just to reflect on it instead of being a reaction to it is key to this work.
2: So t- t- tell us about um, whatever you want to – because I think, f- yes, there was 42, three people there.
0: Yeah, we, we were twice over what you, we
2: You're, you're over <laughs> it a bit. And Phoebe, what a, just to give her oh. a plug, what a great catering job she did. It was more than catering. Incredible. It was just yep. it was chefing. Mm-hmm. Um, for the benefit of those who weren't there, which are, are in the billions – Sorry, you weren't. Um, can you just why did you why did you have it why did you put it on
0: well we had planned to run our big agroecological coaching school here in australia and um it just it didn't come together and, and we are very strong believers in flow so if something it feels like it's hard work and we're pushing then we're going to change direction and the, we actually wanted to just I mean, I've just brought a property, so the last thing I want to be doing is being here in Australia, quite frankly.
3: <gasps> <rude>. so um,
0: <laughs> So, I, I, Graham Reese and I were doing an event in Orange, and so I said to Graham, I think we need to cancel this event. Well, it had booked out in a week. He's like, you're not cancelling it. And I'm like, what?
2: As in you thought, maybe I just won't go to Australia at all. Yeah, won't go to Australia at all. And
0: so then I was like, well, we're here. This documentary film group was coming to Matong. Um so I'm like, well, let's let's use this time as effectively as we can because I don't know when I'm going to be in Australia next. And what is my, you know, I always think about it in your realm of influence. Like where, where is it I can focus my attention where the ripple for me and my work can be most effective? Like I feel like we're all here for different reasons and, and I feel like my purpose is to to disrupt to shake things up a little bit and to really empower and enable others that are that are really doing the work on the ground. And so what is it that I'm doing in my work that maybe I can train others to do so that they can be more impactful and I can go back and just garden. <laughs>
2: You're just like my you, horse. that's that's like supreme delegation, isn't it? It's supreme delegation. You, you go delegation. and, you can go and you do that. You be the
1: leaders. You
0: make the impact. You do the podcast. Uh, you be in the TV show. I'm out.
2: So how did you decide what to what what content did you put in there? And 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 I, 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 again, and then jump into the polarization because that was a really interesting way yeah, to finish in a I totally,
0: totally stuffed up, but no, no, no. He didn't do um, it at
2: all. It's a big topic it's and a
0: really big topic, yeah. and we tried to do probably an hour and a half topic in. 20 minutes. At yeah,
2: time. you were you were flogging the mule. We were, as you yeah, said. We we're riding the mule riding hard the is mule. what
0: <laughs> Megan framed it. Um, well, part of it is just, I think, through that context of where does great leadership arise from and where does effective communication arise from. I like Stuart, Professor Stuart Hill out of Sydney University's words. He talks about healing the wounded self. And so much about this is love, right? So how do we not, drag trauma from our history and our past and in our epigenome and all of it forward into our communication, into what we want to see the world be. Because if we keep putting trauma into our future, we're just going to get the same outcomes packaged differently as a pretty cover crop or something and still have trauma. Um, I'm not saying that we're going to like snap, oh, trauma goes away. What I'm saying is how do we start to take accountability and responsibility in this generation? Um, and so, really, building from that foundation of love, of self-care, of looking inwards in order to be more effective in our communication. What is it that holds us back? What is it that keeps us playing a small game? You know, oh, who are you? You're not. You're not that. You're an imposter. You're not good enough. You're stupid, ugly, fat, small. All this shit that people tell themselves all the time is. Let's just bubble that to the surface. We did an exercise, you know, to just kind of bubble that up and then you go, okay, what is it that we're committed to? And how do we build programs for real transformation by making sure we're taking care of, of, oops, sorry, of the, of the, um, emotional state? As well as this physical body. And it's like for so long, we've just been focusing on the analytical piece and looking at how we're trained, what academia does, what the Western world does, what our language does in making everything be reduced. When what we need to be doing is looking, how do I expand? And a big part of that is our emotional context, which as Australians, as you know, you mm, know, you can't cry. You can't talk about feelings and what. Has amazed me on this whole trip, and it's why we actually don't want to leave now. Is how
2: (laughs) Ah, that'll learn you
0: that'll learn you is how like (laughs) vulnerable and emotional the men have been in stepping Mm -hmm. into this and actually creating a space that then makes it safe for other men to express feelings of love and of joy and of grief and sadness and. Yeah, and to see men cry in these workshops has been incredible. Don't make that stop you coming to a workshop, but
2: you will cry—you a lot.
0: (laughs) Uh, But it's um,
2: tears of joy,
0: tears of joy. You know, to see people so overwhelmed at an orange where they couldn't even talk, and they'd come up and they'd just have a few like just tears there, and not even be able to say how this is feeling, and then just say thank you and walk away, like just so. Like it's like the world's got bigger that you can now start to emote.
2: Well, I guess it's heading. a it's a it's a I guess it's a vulnerability, trust, yeah, safe space. What what was it that, that triggered them? Do you think what was Why why did you know those guys who probably hadn't cried for ten years shed a tear?
0: We talk about creating brave spaces, not safe spaces. So a space where you actually can feel like you can step up and out and actually align with what you care about and your actions and suddenly that gap has shrunk and you can see possibility and you can see taking new actions and see that you actually be you can be yourself for the first time in a world that doesn't really the culture that doesn't allow us to be fully self-expressed um and it's that's up to the individual, right? You get to choose if you want to step into that and, and bring joy and playfulness. Like we were out in the field. I was watching 126 people playing like they're, mm. they're digging holes and they're, they're, I mean, I heard some men giggling. I just, it just, I'm like, Oh my gosh. You know, like to see that happening and then to dig, you know, they're in the cow pies and we, we found four different dung beetle species and everyone's hands is covered with bullshit. And I <laughs> just like, just, I don't know.
2: Something let them gave them permission to tap back into their inner child or something.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well we talked about the value of play and when was the last time you played? You're like, oh 1956. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Do you wish you could play? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what happens if you play? What if you play and no one sees? But you know, we just it's like we have one small life and we're so freaking significant about it. And we're in these tiny little boxes and everyone's feeling constrained. And it's like, oh, oh, who made the box? Oh, you made the box. Do you want to just open the
2: box up a little bit? It reminds (laughs) me of um, Patrick McBanaway. Oh, I love Patrick. What a lovely bloke. He's like in this constant state of like... Of grace and reverence, isn't he? Mm -hmm. And such a lovely guy. Mm -hmm. He was here recently in Australia. He's he's mostly up north, so I I missed him. Oh, Martin! Oh,
3: look who's in my garden!
2: (laughs) (laughs) I haven't. I was here three (laughs) years ago. I haven't left. I haven't left. They manders.
4: Mandarin beautiful. beautiful. You're a good fella,
2: Martin. Can I say just so everyone? He, here's here. an acknowledgement. Here, yeah, come around here. What a lovely bloke you are. I, I'm only ever going to say that <laughs> once in your you life. Say that once, and it's
0: recorded. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it, is. it back. And um, <laughs>
2: that we are very grateful that you've opened up your world for to to us um, here now, and also I missed the the, uh, the farm tour on the Sunday, but I, oh. I was here three years ago. And oh, what a lovely cool. thing you're doing with um, in in demonstrating the amazing work that you've done in the last, how many years?
4: Uh, 40.
2: 40. Jeez, you must a slow be, learner. So, so you <laughs> So you started when you were 50 years old then? <laughs> no, that's you, that's biodynamics for you. Look at you. You're 110 yep, and he, yep. looks, he looks what?
0: 15.
4: <laughs> I, there was a, a lovely young girl here with the film crew was filming Nicole the other day
3: Holy and Lord.
4: she said, um
3: Paulina Paul. she Paulina She said
4: How old are you And I said How old are you thinking and she said 63 mm, And I went mm. <laughs>
2: <laughs> You were like Ready for that compliment <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, She was a year early Hello. But uh, yeah, 62 so,
4: right? I'm
2: 64 64 Oh yeah. she was, she was a year early I'm yeah.
4: 64
0: Yeah So at least she you went
4: Younger
2: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he was hoping months. for another decade decade scrub from his from the yes. file. So, so welcome thank you for that. And
4: and I do love having people here because it, it gives you meaning. What's the point of me having a little island uh, all to myself and I learn from everybody, particularly wonderful people. Like this beautiful lady. Hmm. And uh, and she gives me great compliments, which just feeds my <laughs> he, thri-
2: he thrives. Yeah. He just grows we an instant. We need to
0: water time. our little inner plant.
2: Totally. Yes. Which I love that um, yesterday, the day before, you mentioned in the landscape. In a landscape. Mm. Was, well, I hadn't heard that expression. It was, it was beautiful. I loved it. In a landscape, out of oh, yeah, and, and landscape, and then nurturing the inner landscape, mm-hmm. which is not dissimilar to a. To a, a Steiner kind of thing about internal cultivation and external cultivation,
0: or above is below, below is an above. Above is what? What do they say? Yeah. Um, um, as is as is below is. What is the quote? As anyway, yeah,
2: no, that one. It's bringing own. the above and the below together.
0: No, this is as as above, so below. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Which I think is a Steiner, isn't it? Which is well, kind of, of which who said it? it
2: seen could be thousands as,
0: of years as in old. Heart in the mm-hmm. soul.
4: This week, actually, after. Having an event out at Tomborough with Nicole, I was driving back over the hill, and for the first time, I felt Gillimatong's now teaching me. Hmm. Because I often feel that I haven't done that much, Mm -hmm. rather than, but I stopped killing. (laughs) It's a good start. (laughs) And encouraged, and so, and put inoculants out there, and it's grazing management, those sort of things. But it's now Gillimatong's got to a stage that. Mm. I can't stop it growing mm. and building.
2: Yeah, well, you've created a window to for way. it to teach. To, to teach. Yeah, well, I guess you've got its health to a point where it can now kind of reciprocate. Yep. Um, I dare say, I'm just going to stick this on because we're out of the, out we're the were sunshine. recovering
0: from fire and flooding, right? So yep. that rebuilding, <laughs> that it can now do itself.
4: Yes, and it did. And and well, you've I was just it showing up, right? this crew out here, photographs two months after the fire where I had luscious grass that come back, no weeds. Mm. And that's because the soil's got the life there. And, and as we're learning from Jane, there's all this communication happening from the fungi and, be- well, she's more in the spiritual. Um, Nicole's saying how the, the the wood wide web is talking to everything. And, mm. yeah, I'm just starting to feel that. You go into places and you think, wow, this is really alive. Mm.
2: And that's exciting. And it's, it's not contagious. Is not the right word. I oh, used contagious yesterday. I think on a few mm-hmm. occasions, but it's it's kind of um, it's cool. all it's all <laughs> 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 <We'll> go there. <laughs> Actually, I might go there. You might go there just for that fun. Were, <laughs> no, no, it was <laughs> it was for fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, well, yesterday we, we sort of touched on it. Then we did. Then, watch, then you diplomatically.
0: Well, no, I just think observe the energy of. There's certain topics that are taboo. Let's poke on them. Why? Let's keep poking. Stir Get up, over yourself. Stir
2: up the beer. <laughs> That's interesting. I better go all right, and do this. Hey, um, do you're, you're, are you good for me to keep your phone? Are you, are you comfortable with that? Ooh, all right. I'm not going to um, check out your whatever's on there. Yeah. The, uh, do I need to know? Uh, we mainly look at regen uh, form. Right. Regen form. <laughs> regen form. You you saw form. It is you that, is is you that like bare roots? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, naked yeah. Naked roots. Uh, uh,
0: yeah. Bacterial sex.
2: Bacterial <laughs> let's get. Let's go there. Mm. Awesome, thank you. I'll leave that there, and um, Martin, I appreciate that. Yep. Um, awesome. I might, right. We might we might be right, in which case um, we'll won't need that. we won't need that. I'll make sure. We'll you later. I don't want to spill my water on later, it. Brother. Thanks, Martin. Have uh, lovely, and thanks for dropping in too. That's awesome. Um, catch you at the other end. Um,
0: yeah, uh, if I can uh, add. No, explore. Explore. The first time I ever heard a voice was this property. And so I'd got out of my car, been driving for like, well, I had that time I'd been on trains and driving for three weeks all through Australia in 2018,
2: 2019. Okay, not
0: that long ago. Just seeing the devastation, that's right. Um, And just feeling really overwhelmed by what was happening in Australia and just feeling like, literally, this place is fucked.
2: Like, it's fucked. In your travels of Australia? In my travels of
0: Australia. Like, I went all along the coast. So I went, um, I guess, right up to Townsville, went around Adelaide, all through the cropping areas, and just seeing the devastation. Like, a, this is pre-fire. And it felt yeah. like that land was about to go. Like and
2: that was so dry. dry So dry. dry.
0: And um, just seeing really skinny animals. I mean, you guys were living here. You were seeing it, right? But dead kangaroos, like, every five metres up the side of the highway. And just everything was so... Parched and brittle, and then I pulled into this driveway. You kind of seen the differences, I guess, as you come up the road. But I got out of my car, grabbed my luggage you know, just a normal moment. And this voice, clear as a bell, said, We are so grateful he is here. And I went in and I said, Hey, Martin, not sure how you feel about this. And I started crying. And I was like, so You heard, the vo- that, I heard that voice, a voice like, like a, it was a, a woman's voice, super like a bell. And um, I said, yeah, Martin, they're really, you know, they're so grateful that you are here. And he starts crying, and I'm crying, and I'm like, okay, that's cool. And, yeah, since since then, I think my, um, I've, I've I've heard or seen or felt things much more tangibly than, than I have in the past. But that was, like, I've always been um, fairly energetic, feel the land. I can sense when I walk on a piece of land, like, Chemicals or compaction or disease. Do you? So do your your do you how does that? How does
2: that kind of appear in your body? Do you feel at at at, at a, a, a disease yourself? I will
0: feel a disease myself, and it depends. You know, some places I walk and I feel like I'm walking through molasses or sinking through the ground when there's like, um, maybe not. Yeah, like ley lines, on but they're more like. I think Angus Deans calls them the fire lines, where there's areas that have been some kind of historical traumas. I'll feel them as I walk through them. Um, And so I've always just kind of been keyed into that, but I've never heard a voice. So this was the property where I first heard a voice, and I was just like, wow, I feel really, really blessed to have that moment or moments.
2: Mm. Had you been here before? No. Uh, okay, so that was like a – oh, here's a new oh, chick. And It Let's was just it was so time.
0: green and the grass was thigh high. He had de-stocked and the cows that were here were so fat yeah. and they were so happy. And he opened a gate and they were all skipping. And I was like, if everyone could find their way to build more vibrant, healthy soil systems, like what Martin's done here and have a water cycle that works – Um, And be rehydrating right up the sides to you know right up. We can see that water moving upwards. Um, What would the world look like? And so I'd gone from feeling like really overwhelmed and just thinking, "Why am I doing this work?" To having that moment of like, "This is why we do this work."
2: And you had a you would have that would have set you set you up for a lovely stay a couple of days. Oh, we had a doing. great
0: time. Yeah, yeah, no, it was really good to be here. It is um, it is an honour and I think there's properties like this around the world and to and then the, the gratitude I have for my life as a traveller to be able to go and see places like this and then to be able to go and communicate it to other people, is that's what I'm, I think I'm here to do.
2: It is a special place. Can you, given you've trodden over mm. it a few times, um, tell me... Because Martin's not here to tell us, can tell us what? Um, I guess there's the physical, you know. Oh, he's got a con- he's got contours and he's got this and the other, but kind mm-hmm. of maybe explore what that actually does for what 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 is that doing? What's the landscape then able to do? Or mm-hmm. and then there's that sort of physical, you know, stuff. But then there's also is there anything else to add in terms of the voice you heard and kind of the the vibe? that's it's, that it's been created here I
0: can certainly talk about the vibe I think when you when you look at the physical things that have happened here I mean, people always come to me and they're wanting some kind of silver bullet or prescription and I've got even slipperier at even replying to those kind of questions now. Um, but you look at what he's done here and there's multi-layers of looking, you know, with the mindset piece, the energetic piece, what's happening with minerals, what's happening with my- microbes, how you're stimulating that, what are you doing with adaptive grazing management with biodynamics um, and building organic matter. I mean, the whole thing is this, asking the question of, what did this landscape used to look like and how can we replicate that and how can we do that in a way that doesn't take a millennia to to replicate? And I think if you talk to Peter Andrews, you'll hear that message coming through him who was um, Martin's original teacher and I think we find those original teachers are, are seeing the world in different ways and it becomes then who who's communicating that piece from the the genius spark and that's you know, what Martin's doing and what others are doing from taking some of those teachings, applying them in their own world and then being able to communicate that more broadly. So I feel like this is a property for communication. And I think you probably need to do an interview with Martin and really dig into the what happened and when because he's got a great story.
2: I did. He was actually, and I acknowledged this with him yesterday. He was actually the first person I ever interviewed.
0: No way. Yeah. So so he's a catalyst.
2: Yeah. Well, he well he was it was twenty nineteen. We were down at the um, and Joel Salatin was in town and, huh. and did a Nutrisoils, their conference annual conference.
3: Oh yeah, they do a um,
2: conference. Yeah, so I was down there and. um and Nakala, who was here for the last mm-hmm. couple of days as well, I, I acknowledged that to her that she was very generous in um, uh, asking me to join her to interview Joel, and mm-hmm. she was there for her her podcast. And then, um, as a practice run, I not as a practice. I, I'm not belittling the 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 um. Uh, interview with Martin. It was just the f- he was more of a- he was available at the time. I went right, Martin, let's go. And I used mm-hmm. her gear and I sat down in, in in their office there, and we had a lovely, lovely chat. And then um, it was it was a good warm up for Joel, who was the next day, I think it was. Mm-hmm. However, I
0: need to do another one. Yeah, well, I mean, this is the sure thing. Is I mean, here. it was
2: just three years ago, and mm-hmm. you know, um, things have moved forward at that that. Uh, because it was actually bless you it was actually the year before the the podcast released so it was it was pre-fires
3: mm. so
2: that a lot has happened um since then yeah but I'll, that's a, that's a good that could be a good like part 2 or a mm. you know catch up kind of thing tell me more about the maybe the physical shit that's going on here the you know what's it, what shit. like what's he done like what, what mm. significance is it what's it now doing to the landscape mm. cuz just before you do my sense is this is such in so many ways. I won't say perfect because it's nothing's perfect. But in terms of be able to see and identify and understand and relate to what he's done, it's mm. it's it's such a good example, isn't it? Because of the you know the shape of the valley and the yeah. way the hydrology and the whole thing yeah. is, um, it's re- it's almost set up for the the model kind of yeah. demo side, isn't it? But yeah, you, you can you fill in the gaps.
0: And, and I think it's very humorous if you look on. Um you know, because he's been in the news because this property, even in the middle of the, at the end of the drought, while the fires were happening, was still releasing 20,000 litres of water out the bottom of the property every day. Um, And that these weirs stayed full even when buckets were coming in to put fires out. You know, all the dams are dried up in this region. I mean, you see a lot of photos of those dried up dams, but these weirs have lifted the the water table so we can see that effect of that water table coming back up and being restored and being able to, imagine more what the Australian landscape used to look like. And, and if you read the, these papers, what you see is scathing, people just attacking him like, oh, you've dammed a spring. There's no mm. spring here. If there's a spring, it's because of that lift of the water table. It wasn't a spring that he came in and dammed. Um, oh, well, you've dammed, you know, a major waterway. No, this is not a major waterway. This was, what did he call it, a grade Three.
2: It's a it's a well, low it may not be the right word, but yeah, it's not a high high grade or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yep, so
0: yep. so legally he was able to do it. If he tried to do it again now, you wouldn't because he's changed this whole water structure in this catchment in this area um, with the contours. Like having he calls them the smiley faces up on the hill. So he's actually planted trees in these contours that they built mechanically. And after the fires, all of that ash and all of that material was collected into those. Um, contours, and now you've got this source of fertility when it did rain, which it rained a lot. Um, you've got water being able to be absorbed and slowly seep through this landscape. It's like everything that we do in modern agriculture is to, is to actually get water off. We have straight lines. We, we make everything laser leveled. It's like everything is to evacuate water off it. And, and he's done the opposite here, which is how, how do we slow that, that movement of that single droplet of water right through that whole area and and then putting compost in the top end so you've got compost in those contours so that when the water moves it's taking biology with it so instead of having to go out and spread compost and you know he is working with biodynamics so there is an application to land having that biology spread and then also using livestock to spread biology livestock to really encourage the diversity of microbiology as well as plants out there so you're seeing that response and you can see it on the fence line he was really mean to me when I first arrived here he was like (laughs) feel my grass I was like feeling the grass and it was so soft and so beautiful and luscious and this is in the middle of the drought right and and I really was just like oh thank goodness you know this is beautiful grass and he's like okay let's jump jump the neighbor's fence and feel their grass and because I'd been like pat Pat quite hard on his grass. I went pat on the neighbors, and it's covered in spikes. I'm like, you
3: bastard. <laughs> and so I got like these little you holes were, in
0: my hand, and oh, I felt like I'd be totally set up. Um, and and so it's rude. just that literally the land next door is saying, hey, how about you F off? And this yeah. is what we're seeing as you go around the world. Landscapes are literally not just quietly whispering to people. They're yelling at people to get off. And if you don't listen to what Mother Nature's saying, she's getting louder and louder and louder. And this is a global phenomenon. So either we start listening to land and going, okay, you want me to get off? What is it that I can do for you? How can we work together on this? Uh, then she's going to start screaming.
2: So in that case, that land was saying to the manager of that land mm-hmm. who was somebody m- may not be doing as good a job as, as say Martin or may not be or the land the landscape was saying well if you can't treat me well you might as well just piss off basically go away and, yeah. and that was a, putting up the defenses I don't that's think I've ever
0: said the f word on a podcast you should feel honored
2: did you say did you say that did you? <laughs> I did before did you oh good no no no, no that's great it's, well, it's let's like, see especially we can get, living get the, in America I'm really
0: dampening down I had Do this, go
2: beep? I had this
0: f- woman approached me about the book um my book and she said oh I loved your book but there's a lot of cursing in it. And I was like, cursing She's like, I said, what what I'm sure I didn't put any swear words in it. What did I say? And she said, Um you said Damn And I was like, Oh, okay, that's a swear word to you.
2: <laughs> oh, D A M N
0: I don't know. I don't. Is know. That sort, is yeah, yeah. I'm in, and I'm like, okay, yeah, okay. So you know, I find a lot of Americans are very polite. It, it, I mean, some of my friends, it's taken them like four years for them to start releasing their inner f bombs, and I'm like, oh wow. <laughs> so they do swear, but it's very polite on that 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 surface. So it's trained me to just speak a little bit better. When you come out of New Zealand, it's like. The F word is what you put between sentences. That's just
2: how we how we speak. <laughs> there's twelve thousand different w- applications yes, for the word. Yeah, like
0: the silica. You know, it comes in thousands of forms.
2: It's a bit. Um, it's. You <laughs> use your word polarizing because mm. you know I, I listen. I don't know as much as I used to. Just I'm out of the habit of um, like Tony no, Robbins. I don't know, Tony I Robbins who swears like a, swears like a bastard, mm. and others. And then there's others who. Um, who you know have reasons for not swearing and, and mm-hmm. saying it's you know it's it's just a very poor way to communicate and whatever I think it's a great way to communicate yeah. so that's it is very polarizing kind of a thing but now you yeah. can you can drop Power any bomb language, you want it's right.
0: fine yeah I think people in Australia have heard the words before
2: sure it's, I do wonder when like the people are listening in the car with their kids and then there's not uh, there's not yeah you know, and, and whether I should you know have you some more explicit, explicit warning I never have and I'd say one out of three dropping them here and there uh, in terms of gas but that's that's good I, I, I think it's yeah, it's you Well, go for your life let, you're cut, not in the States let's
0: cut this bit out and you can put it into something else but this is something that's really interesting is mm. if you think about the power of a word like the word <laughs> has so much power right and, you, and when you look at the origins of that word what it was is it's in the name of the holy vessel for the Druidic women so they had a holy vessel that was the and then what you get is you get holy men coming in, Christians saying, well, you women are the devil's work, you're evil. And then they took their, their symbol of power, their mo- most powerful word, and turned it into an obscene gesture against mm. women. And it's like that word still holds its power, but now it's been twisted back on, onto, onto women and become. So even, just even to say that word, you're like, that is a word that has so much power. And, and, and then people can use it in whatever way. I mean, I, I, to, for someone to say that at you is like, like a dagger.
2: Oh. Yeah, that, and that's a historical, that's just the, the that's a, um, a man, a patriarchal, mm-hmm. um, religious, there's a good combo, isn't it? Um, religious kind of a, um, it's a bit like, the or the interp- or the misinterpretation or the reinterpretation of the Bible or mm-hmm. or, or pick a topic
0: yeah any topic that <laughs> that that
2: has gone like uh, there's power in this word there's power in this concept we actually don't want that power to be with the, with the common folk we need to um, turn into something that is holy as in ho- only ho- holy men mm-hmm. can can use or, or or carry that knowledge yeah uh, and in, anyone who doesn't needs to be um, uh, dealt with in a in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, is it a is it is it what's the what's the root of that word? As in, is is it short for something? Else? Like, a, is there a Latin, you know, like a um, root of that?
0: It's a good question. I don't know. I imagine there was another word behind it.
2: Sure. I read that somewhere, mm. and it was it was not dissimilar to what what you just said, then Nicole, in terms of um, what it originally meant, and mm. it probably was the same thing, but in different words. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So whether we live? I have to I have a to get holy some vessel. holy
0: vessel,
2: a holy vessel, a holy
0: vessel, yeah. And then you think about pan and that oh, yeah. deep. I mean,
2: oh, that's I mean, that another that good example. Idea, yeah,
0: of pan, and yeah. like suddenly we're going to turn pan into the cloven, hooved, horned devil. Devil, You take the most powerful symbol of nature and then you flip it on its head and we turn that into something to hate as a way of just taking down societies, taking down cultures and religious or spiritual belief systems. And I think every, every aspect of society, it's like how do we reclaim some of our ancestral stories? And I think Pan is a really good example of an ancestral story that we come back to that mythology of connecting to, to land and the, the spirit of the land without that being evil.
2: I'm so glad you mentioned that because I read a book last year by a fella called, um, he was Scottish, and I can't remember, Abercrombie was one part of it, mm. and it was Abercrombie, something or someone Abercrombie, and he wrote many books, well, a few books, one of them was Conversations with Nature Spirits. Mm. And he talks about how not until his 60s or 70s he was sitting in the Botanic Gardens in Edinburgh and he saw a, a, a fawn dancing around. He's mm. sitting like under a tree. And he's like, oh, there's a kid in a fancy dress costume. <laughs> and his fawn sort of you know, runs up to him and looks at him like this. Mm. And then he goes, hello. And I went, oh, the little fawn goes, like, didn't realise yeah, that he BBC. had seen. Yeah. And then it was like that was his sort of stepping into that, that world. Oh yeah, there's another one.
0: Well, I'm telling you, thank you. Well, that's the dimensional piece, you know. I work with indigenous communities who have Bigfoot as a very real, very lived experience. They can tell you what it smells like. You know what Bigfoot smells like?
2: Um, you smell Bigfoot? I, 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 I have <laughs>
3: not really. I have Let me guess.
2: Probably like forest floor,
0: burnt hair. Oh really? Burnt hair, is that
2: dead. because when they're coming in and out of the other dimension?
0: Uh, no, I've no I, I don't I don't think so cuz the little people don't smell like burnt hair, but the Bigfoot does. So I'm like, how wow. cool is that? And they said ever since the, you know, Europeans really came like the colonizers came in with alcohol and drugs, which they still do today, which is really interesting. people are coming into reservations, Europeans like even the government agents have been told that they're bringing drugs and alcohol to suppress culture, which makes Another sense, right? But they example, said when yeah. that started to happen that, that they they very rarely see see Bigfoot anymore. And they said it's because of this dimensional thing. They choose to be seen or they choose not to be seen.
2: So is that that the, the, the alcohol and the drugs is kind of um, weakening the ability for the humans to see the other mm-hmm. other things, or the other things choosing, going, you don't deserve to see me because you're a bit fucked up.
0: Yeah, I'm probably both. both. I don't know. But I also think if you think of the word alcohol as spirit, it's the way of introducing the dark spirit is what my indigenous friends say. So you've introduced that dark spirit, you've opened yourself to that, and then mm. the light is harder to shine in on that.
2: Well, it's certainly been a major problem in Australian Indigenous cultures, isn't
0: it? Yeah, you see, and, that.
2: A, and a tool, no doubt.
0: Yeah, it's a weapon, right? Yeah. So we've weaponized powerful people, and yeah, subjugated them through the use of alcohol and drugs and trauma and crap food—really crap food. So interesting. Um, I was talking to some of my friends who are in South Dakota, and they said during COVID, with you know, we saw that breakdowns of the systems, but you know, the American government has signed. Agreements to provide food to um, to tribal nations in exchange for land and you know access to land, and all that they were getting from the food banks during COVID were boxes and boxes of soda pop, like Coca Cola. That's all that was arriving. No food.
2: Oh yeah, that's food.
0: Yeah, that's food. <laughs> but it's a that realization of how broken the food system is and how reliant they were upon having. Food coming from outside, and then realizing they grow. They have all this beef, mainly beef, bison on the reservations, and all of it's being exported. None of it was being grown for local community and to nourish and feed the local community. So that's been a really positive outcome is seeing um, people now going, hey, we need greenhouses. Oh, we need to be selling beef within our communities and, and supporting local, which
3: it's yeah.
2: Positive. And again, that's a, a you know another wonderful. We're yeah, going right. to rack up a whole lot of examples of kind of mm. of what is that? It's an example of, um I guess, it's control. is different agendas. Mm. I mean, I don't know where else you want to take that.
0: Yeah, no, no.
2: <laughs> oh.
0: I hate the the big like like I said that realm of influences. The minute I start to be concerned about, oh, I don't know, the cabal or the like the.
3: Oh, you don't have to go there. No,
0: I don't want to go there. But like the big systematic breakdowns of banking, of education systems, of health, and like the whole right now where what we're seeing is all of the dysfunction and it needs to be brought into the light so that we can start to make more conscious, proactive decisions about where we go forward. And so there are some people's roles that are to really expose the the dark underbelly because it's important. And I feel like my role is to look more at how do we, yeah, how do we, Creatively work through this in a proactive way, and how do we how do we build a mindset that can do that? And so that's kind of where i i don't I don't like kind of dealing with all the super negative things that are outside of my control because that's where overwhelm happens.
2: There's a lot to be overwhelmed about, isn't it there?
0: Is. I mean, you can go and look at some insects and go, "Oh, going to New Zealand? Where oh, are the birds gone? Jesus, it's like a it's what's like, happened? It's a silent spring out there. I mean, it's no. everything's dead." Like not everything, sorry, New Zealanders, but there's the bird life that I grew up with has gone. The songs that I grew up with have gone. Um, you know, you can put ten with the highest use of a 1080 to poison
3: what dogs,
0: rats, and stoats and possums mainly possums, thanks Australia, um, that are destroying the forest. But every time you do that, you're, you are knocking that bird population back and they were like, well, the birds will recover. But they would, except you're doing 1080 again and again and again.
2: So 1080, um, I know, I'll get to that in a minute, but the, so... Um, also
0: developed in Australia.
2: <laughs> was it? Yeah. Far out. The So um, uh, possums are dying, 1080, um, birds eat possum. No,
0: no. Uh, Bird, pop, bird, birds will be picking stuff up, so uh, it might be yeah.
2: Like the the bait. Can yeah. I just? We had um one of our dogs get ten eighty pick up ten eighty mm. nearly nearly ten months ago. Awful
3: ha- way to die. Didn't. Oh god, did didn't die. Look
2: at the mouth and. Oh no! Well, just very quickly because this is significant because it was it was actually quite scarring I think for myself and my daughter who was mm. there at the time her dog. So dogs are pissed off for the morning. Um, both came back some hours later. Um, the one that came back a bit, a little bit later. He Billy, he nine o'clock that night. And my wife was down in Melbourne. We were at, at Hanamino, and he started um, howling. Mm. And I, did, oh, what's wrong? No, he shit himself in the house somewhere. Like just, just, just black tar shit somewhere in you know, the carpets carpet. Was going, oh, I'm in, I'm in trouble. And then he started howling about nine o'clock. And then he was bes- just running around like a berserker, and like possessed, possessed. Mm. And I had, no, I was going, like, oh, what's going on? And then he's had a fit, and I went, right, 1080 rang the vet anyway. A series of phone calls and got him to a vet. Mm-hmm. Um, probably, I uh, probably was an hour hour and fifteen minutes till I got him to the vet. Right? Mm-hmm. Amazing, amazing vet. And he said, "If you come now, I might be able to save him." Now, he used some very not many vets know about it. Mm-hmm. Um, a fellow called someone Churchill at Crookle, invented this little thing. It's very simple. It's like sodium. Sodium bicarbonate or something very simple that you flush the system with. And he put the dog to sleep, nearly dead, the dog, put him to sleep, um, flushed his system for two days. He took the dog back to his own house in his own ensuite in his bedroom and woke mm-hmm. up every two hours and, oh. and, and injected that dog for two nights. Yeah. And then saved the dog.
0: Gosh, you've got to be grateful to your vet.
2: These oh, he's, so ama- astral he's astral astral. Ama- amazing, amazing bloke. Yeah. Mm. Um, and David there at the young um, young vet clinic. And anyway, um, I do digress because 1080 is it's. I, whenever I hear that, it it's a physical mm. fuck. That's a bad thing. It's a bad thing. So so birds um, gone.
0: Forests, right? So we're seeing. It's interesting. Like to travel the world right now, we're seeing forests dying in every ecosystem, right? And if I. One of the ways of looking at it, I'm not saying wrong, red, right, wrong, right, whatever. It, if you look, say, the New Zealand context, you think about the volume of nutrients that was coming onto that landscape via birds, so seabirds mm. were bringing in huge amounts of guano and nitrogen and mm, all that deliciousness that's in seabird poop and a huge volumes of, of like... Burrowing birds that were in the forests of New Zealand. Those are, most of our burrowing. birds were flight flightless. They burrowed. Yeah. So what do you you got the, you've got
2: the kiwi and what else have you got there? that's a burrower.
0: Lots of the seabirds were burrowers. So oh, yeah. A lot of our, I mean, if you think New Zealand really only had two mammals, two bats, right, and the rest of it was all birds, and those really? birds,
3: yeah,
0: and those birds filled every single ecological niche that we have. Say so in Australia, you know, you've got your predatory birds and you've got your birds that are like mice and your birds that are like the impala or the kangaroos, you know. They all filled these different niches. And
2: you had those enormous birds, the the moa. M- so yeah. with the
0: hugest birds, we had the hugest eagles. The it's mandarin. I'm good, thank you. Um, so you had this huge diversity of bird species that had adapted for low-energy environments. I mean, that's why it is birds, because they have hollow bones. Their energy requirement's are much lower than a mammal. And they've all adapted to this environment. And then you get people arriving, and you get mice, rats arriving, and they didn't have any protection. And you, their protection is to stay still and be camouflaged. Well, that the cat's like, oh, thanks for not moving. You're an easy feed. Yeah, But the nutrient loading is the important piece around the forest because – I think we we looked looked at a study in the U.S. saying, you know, there was like 391,000 tons of just phosphorus was being – put onto the landscape in in just the U.S. every year from birds, and now they're down to less than 4% of that nutrient being returned to land. And that's from birds, and it's from fish, migratory fish that come from out at sea and come up the streams, and then they're eaten by bears, and then those bears literally do poop in the woods. But we've lost these natural nitrogen cycles, and then you think 90% of nitrogen in a forest comes from insects bodies and their poop, and we've lost all of that. So what we're seeing are catastrophic, very short cycle nutrient losses in every ecosystem around the world as as insects and birds are collapsing. So my take home from this is just how integrated all of these systems are and the value of being at a place like this, of seeing all of that vibrancy and life return. And it's not just you're returning life on your own land, but the impact that this is having not only with life, but with water far beyond the farm gate. Um, and I think that's a piece we all just need to bloody wake up about is how interconnected we all are. And if you want to destroy your piece of land, it's actually a social issue. You you are impacting everyone around you.
2: And so I guess that's a good um, example of, um, I mean, lots of insects, lots of birds. They're, they're, they're large parts of the, the environment and the ecology, but you remove one... Um, but species SSA mm. out of a um, hierarchical because it is predatory kind of a chain. There's an impact above and below, isn't there?
0: Uh, just everywhere. I mean, I think
2: in in its simplest terms. Yeah. So
0: Jonathan Lundgren looked at um, who's the entomologist in America. Looked at the connectivity of one insect in a, in a maize cropping situation, and it found it had 241 connections. Just that one insect, <laughs> interconnections to other insects, and it's like. The interconnectionness is so complex and so challenging for us to even get our heads around it. And so I sometimes go, it's so simple. How do you bring more diversity and more life to everything that you do and every action that you take?
2: So just on that, hmm. um, this is not a linear conversation, clearly, is it? Well,
0: Maybe I just don't think there's that. a linear thing in the
3: world. <laughs> <laughs> no, because now,
2: now I really want to – everything you're saying, I'm going to have a bit of a <laughs> – like, Squirrels.
0: Squirrels.
2: Okay. It's another hour down there. <laughs> no, I want to explore it all, but, um, but I'm just going to grab the, the the last moment there. So, um, biodiversity. Let's just go there, which kind of made get back to Martin's Martin's Dillimatong here. Mm-hmm. Is your view? Because I'm know I was going to make. I want to get back to that one, um, Martin. Not Martin. Your view on. Uh, Exotic species in a landscape. I'm talking, let's just stick to plants at mm-hmm. the moment because I don't know there's many exotic species of animals in the landscape that have, except maybe horses, but the people. some would argue that too. Mm-hmm. Um, so plants as exotic species that have been purposefully, purposely, I mean there are obviously lots of examples of accidental or out of control, you know, um, noxious type stuff. Mm-hmm. Where where do they sit with you? Are they uh, is that something we can and should use? Uh, should we exclude them because they're not natural, not native? Where do you sit with all that?
0: So is it like a native because it's good. been ten and a half thousand years ago? <laughs> is it a native because it's sixty thousand years ago, or a hundred thousand years ago, or a hundred years? Um, and at what point do we consider these the new natives? Which is what how Fred Prevenza frames it, which I really really like the new natives. But if we were to think, oh, you know, these are these exotic things, it's like, well, Europeans are exotic to most <laughs> landscapes. People are exotic to some landscapes. Um, and uh, I feel that because we see the world as humans in such short timeframes, we get annoyed because a plant arrives, the biocontrol agent for that hasn't arrived yet, it hasn't settled into its ecological niche, and you'll see rapid expansion of something that's invasive that in another couple of hundred years will be a native. But because we're seeing it in this moment and because it's happening globally, it is something that, um, you know, is causing real concern and it's part of biodiversity loss because we're seeing monocultures form around the world where we see the same grass and the same weeds in every single ecosystem around the world. But my uh, favorite example of this is I was working on Mototapu Island. So it's this beautiful island in the Hauraki Gulf in New Zealand and it's right next to Rangatoto. So you've got Rangatoto was 600 years old. You can see it from Auckland. Just stand in the city. You can look out across what, the harbour.
2: What is it? is it? 600 years old as in, what is it? A Volcano. Of a, a 600 year old volcano. 600-year-old volcano. 600-year-old? That's not very old. That's not very
0: old, no. And oh. so there's actually uh, footprints, a Maori man and a woman and a dog, I think, in the ash because they were living on, There was villages on Mototapu. So Motapu is the oldest land formed in New Zealand, original Gondwana land, right next to each other, which is quite cool. And so there's a farm there that, that I had been working on, and they have reintroduced one of New Zealand's rarest birds, the takahe. And it's this great, big, massive, fat, <laughs> nearly extinct. So they discovered it in the 1950s. They thought it was wiped out. Wow. And it's bright blue, red, red feet, red beak, gorgeous, but this big, fat, tasty-looking bird.
2: <laughs> and it was it was nearly extinct through... Nearly extinct just, through just human um, introduction
0: of predators that we right. talked okay. about, cats and rats. Also was... And so they, they have been restoring these bird populations, and forgive me if I get the figures wrong, but I think each bird's probably worth around $250,000 in conservation efforts. Wow. Okay, so they're very expensive birds. They all have individual names. They're all tagged. Uh, people have raised them from little chicks with these little gloves and... Very important like a glove that looks
3: like mummy.
2: A glove that looks like mummy, ah, so they don't cool. associate.
0: And they're very friendly. That's very cute. They're so cute. Then we have a bird called the Pukeko, which the Pukeko has been in New Zealand for a 1,000 years, so it's not considered native, so it blew over. And it's your... Where it come from? It's your m- marsh... Hen, the red, the blue ones. Oh,
2: the, the, the coots or the the yes. um, the waterfowl.
0: The waterfowl. So, mm. Some of them blew over from Australia, probably, in one, of, probably <laughs> in one of your dust storms, <laughs> arrived in New Zealand and started to spread. Really? And they can fly. And they are, have been much more successful in the New Zealand environment than these slower, flightless ones. So their population Ooh. has exploded. So suddenly you've got mm. all of these... Tall, skinny, blue birds with uh, red beaks that can fly, called the pukeko. They are a problem because we've got too many. Then you've got these very expensive, fat ones <laughs> that uh, are very valuable because they're so rare and they they were considered natives. So what they did is they came across the island, and I was there this day. They got a permit to shoot five hundred pukeko. Okay, so you've got the the head of the hunt club. They uh, So, it was, the so it, was like
2: a, it was like a sport kind of thing. It
0: was a slaughter, right? No. So you've got men walking in a line across the whole island with shotguns. And there were piles of, of shells. I was there that day, and I was like, I should be somewhere else because this doesn't feel safe. Yeah. And just boom, 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 and blowing away all these big because you shoot 500. Well, you know what they did?
2: What happened? What happened? Oh, they what shot. Happened?
0: They oh. shot three of the Takahe.
2: $250,000. Oh, no. Which do not they're fly. They're not even the same color or size. No, or they're any. the same
0: color. Oh, right. They're blue. Oh,
2: they're or blue, the red right. beak. Oh, one right. One flies,
0: one doesn't fly. So the the, uh, the oh, uh, invitation no. was don't shoot trained, don't shoot the non flying ones. But, you know, you get sugar happy. I've seen Probably. people do it. And it just you blind and you've got your gun and there's something blue and you shoot it. Um, and it was a national disaster I'm not going to go into who did it And there was a whole inquiry And some people, their heads may have rolled But the I point like of it. this was is like This is a good bird Because there's less of it mm. And this is a bad bird because it's only been here for a thousand years and it's not native and it's successful. So we're going to shoot that one.
2: Yeah. We're going like, to rebalance the thing we, up here. we yeah. can
0: rebalance. And I'm like, where is the sensitivity and the. It just. It just. It, it, it wasn't laughable, but it kind of is. And it's like. We're just chasing these systems instead of thinking, how do I restore ecosystem, health, and function, and then what is the role of humanity in this? And maybe it is to cull and control. <laughs> hey, birds. Cull and control some. These guys are like, don't cull us. Okay.
2: Are they the um, noisy miners? Yeah. Or the, there's, there's an is Indian miner and a noisy miner.
0: There's, they're not Indian miners.
2: Because which, which are the ones, again, that are considered nasty oh, that's Indian right. miners?
0: Indian miners. In, yeah. Same thing.
2: And they're int- are they
0: introduced? Do they introduce? Or maybe the noisy this is, is here?
2: Yeah, I don't know. It's like, like the other <laughs> well, day.
0: If they're Australian and they're noisy, they're probably from here. <laughs> oh,
3: it's how true. rude! I know. That,
2: that's a not. Un- so not unlike the um, where <laughs> nice. we ha- we had a little Anzac Day service yesterday at oh. the at um at Tombara, but with the location for the workshop and um Leah, who is um a Kiwi but she lives in WA, she sang. Your national anthem beautifully, mm. so wonderful, and then, um and she did. She must have done the Maori, the Maori version, and then she must have done a verse. Maybe it was a separate or or, or, or the same, but in English, it was mm-hmm. lovely. And then we did the Australian anthem. Yeah. So it's like two Kiwis, and like I don't know. Ten Aussies, fifteen, and do you think anyone of us knew the second verse of the Australian anthem? <laughs> Leah did, right? So she's Leah singing it out, it, yeah, yeah and going, yeah. "Oh, we're all Aussies," and well, she's You don't keyword. have
0: to when you're at the rugby. You just like mumble no, along. Or or school, fine, or that's school. it. Just,
2: mm, someone else is.
0: There's music playing. We're fine.
2: Um, so more <laughs> no on judgment, na- no judgment, no judgment, and just on that native thing too, <laughs> like because it, it's it's a bit of a theme in land care, I have to say yeah. in um, Australia, mm-hmm. where willows, and we're looking for some beautiful. Spe- beautiful. Um, uh, examples of them down there, poplar mm-hmm. and, and those water loving kind of um, yeah. uh, um, riparian zone kind of star. Yeah. Well, they love it there anyway. They're probably not, that's not where they always hang out. However, um, and lots of. And now they're
0: of, are a weed mm, and you've got to destroy that's, it and that's rip them it. out. And then what's interesting is watching the destruction of riparian zones that happens after the removal, and it's like. What are we missing? These systems will come into balance. It's just we're in a rush, and we're just in a rush.
2: Well, right? Peter Andrews, funny you say that. He's just text Martin on his phone there. <laughs> Peter Andrews would say, got your "Phone, Marty." Um, <laughs> me? Oh, Peter, you can't say that about Martin. Uh, <laughs> he will. No, bro. I will. I know. Um, the and I remember okay. I've said this before on a podcast with I'm not sure who it was. Um, Many years ago at Malone Creek, chasing – actually, first time I met Peter, and I had a little – back in the days, we had a little dictaphone thing you popped Mm -hmm. in. And I said, Peter, just pop this in your pocket and just talk. Can you – anyway, he did, and it was amazing. Mm -hmm. So he – I remember one of the things that stood out was this landscape is wounded, Mm -hmm. and it needs to be put into intensive care, Mm -hmm. and we therefore need every single tool we have in the toolbox in the medical kit to, to to help it heal and and a willow is a suture on a wound
0: that's right
2: and um and then just to want, just to add to that uh is the the fact that some years ago I'm thinking ten maybe more I'm had I'm saying up to up a million dollars maybe hundreds of thousands of dollars was spent on the Burra River alone mm. removing willows yeah. Yeah. because of the, no, they're a noxious weed, they've got mm. to go, they're not native. Mm. And my argument is, well, there's a whole argument around that, But when people sort of bang on about, uh, got to get rid of willows, mm. got to get rid of, you know, we don't plant exotics in the landscape because uh, they're exotic and they don't belong and, you know.
0: How do they get things planted when you've got exotic things planting them?
2: <laughs> well, this is it. It's like okay, if that's the case, well, we should probably get rid of the cattle and the sheep, and, the sheep and, and we've only been here a couple mm, hundred years, yeah. Get so rid maybe of the we should we should just the whitey should bugger off too. <laughs> you know? So where do you draw the line?
0: Where do you draw the line? <laughs> yeah, Can and you? we we are not exterminating the willow from Australia. We're not exterminating the possum from New Zealand.
3: Mm.
0: It's, it's like these these the ecosystems will come into their own. Balance it just might not be right now, but what I'm seeing is producers that are really managing their landscapes with care are seeing latent seed banks burst to life. We're seeing plants that in some places have been considered locally extinct germinating and thriving as we alter these ecosystems. Because what we find is a lot of these plants, like the willows, you know, they're they're a scab on the landscape. They're a healing crisis. They are there to repair something and if you pull that one out there's going to be another one of nature's healers that's in behind it and so allowing that cycle to go through and 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 I think potentially speeding up that cycle which is what we're seeing with a lot of farmers and ranchers is how do we speed up this cycle of repair so that you don't necessarily need these really invasive perhaps poisonous less palatable plants to do that healing role because you are an active partner in this generation of landscape.
2: I've got so many questions. I'm conscious of the time. We could be here for five hours. Oh, like, um, I
0: haven't even talked about
3: anything.
2: No, I know, I know, I know. are <laughs> warming
3: up.
2: That, okay. just occur, Question that, just, number one. that just occurred to me. No, let, <laughs> <laughs> let's try and get back to Martin thing while it's in front of us. So yeah. we've we, we just acknowledged there are willows. There's other exotic species that's, mm-hmm. that are.
0: Agapanthus right in the middle, front I know. Center. How
2: could You know, it's, uh, apparently it's poisonous.
0: I've never eaten it.
2: No, I haven't, because <laughs> I wouldn't be here. It's a bit because I know at the school when um, my stepdaughter was at the local school in Bouroua, we mm. offered to um, plant a heap of aggies at the front at the of the school, and then the the principal said, "No, we, it's they're poisonous because the kids would go." Bit like oh, yeah.
0: the. Um I know you can't feed it to your cat. <laughs>
2: You're like, you don't
0: want cats eating
2: it. Um, (laughs) Dogs fine, cats no no, good. Uh, There's another one. What's the one that, um, uh, oh, it's not here. It's more of a... I'm not even going to remember now, but there's mm. stories of someone like stirring a, a stew on camp with, with a stick of, um, ah. you, you'll, you'll know, you'll know, I just can't think of the bloody thing. It's everywhere. <laughs> Fertinia. No, not Fertinia. Hemlock. No. <laughs> and and literally everyone died. Like everyone died. Oh, whole Yeah, because it was like stirring, stirring, hot. Take notes. Yeah, no. Um, <laughs> everyone knows that. I just can't think of the name of it. It's, it's bushy. It's all over Europe. It's in Australia. It's somewhere. Um, hedging sort of plant. Yeah. Um, so yeah, what we've got willow, we've got water, we've got anything else you want to explore about that contours. Um, we, we leave, we leave it, we leave it now. I think for you now talk
0: to Martin.
2: Talk to Martin. Talk yeah, to Martin. I'll get him to bang on about it. So let's get back to. I want to just jump on before I forget because I think it's a ripper topic. Um,
0: we talked about polarization a lot and then we didn't.
2: Well, here's a good one. Yeah. My, well, mate, this is kind of.
0: You're editing be, this, right? No, no, I don't.
2: I don't ever do. <laughs>
0: you don't. You just go nuts. All right, I
2: put yeah, my lipstick on. no, it goes away. It's all the way sure. through. No, no, no. Is that like a um, a moisturiser? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't Need like? Do you ever put lipstick, like, like um, a coloured lipstick on? Yeah. You do yeah, for I special do, but, occasions.
0: You know, yeah, well, teaching it wipes off in like two minutes. But living in the Montana landscape, it's so freaking dry that you get into this habit of just—if you don't carry a chapstick, you're going to look like you're 90 years old and just have all split lips.
2: Do you use um, pawpaw? You know that? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. the red. Then that red one.
0: I actually grab pawpaw when I'm here and take it back to.
2: You Don't you get US. it over there?
0: You know what? I have think I, I have seen it. Yeah.
2: You better stock up. Well, you're leaving stock tomorrow, up. so you've got to go to the airport, mm-hmm. Go to chemist.
0: the airport and get some pawpaw. And uh, tea tree. Big fan of tea tree. I just had a friend. She's been bitten by white tail spiders. Thank you, another Australian import to New Zealand. They get so big. They're so big in New Zealand. They're like uh, over oh. an inch. Like, they're that big. And, they, yeah. and when they bite you, you get that skin rot. And she's she gets really affected by them. And I'm like, I just put a drop of tea tree and They never bother me. And so
2: well, she you put, put a drop, and where? she what immediately, do you on it? the bite... Oh, on the bite.
0: And it just got... Gone. Have you
2: been bitten by one?
0: Yeah, I've been bitten lots, but... And my then son. Then you put it on. But I just dropped.
2: Too true. true. Because I Magic. have... I've heard a... I don't know if it's a bit of a myth, but I've spoken to a couple of people and they said the same thing, that every 12 months, at the same time of year, when you've been bitten, it comes back. <laughs> the, 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 the sore, the, the skin yeah, the will, sword, will yeah, come back and that's from spot.
0: I have never had that.
2: Tea Lucky tree.
0: to not have had that problem. I, mean, I think everyone reacts differently, right? And it depends what that white tail's been feeding on, but...
2: Ah, which which kind of then creates the venom or the bizzo? Yeah, it's uh, not venom; right. it's
0: like a, yeah. an infectious bacteria.
2: Yeah, um, we they are always in our, sh- our shoes and gumboots and slippers and things at home mm-hmm. all the time, and in beds too. That's Thank probably the other place to find Thank them. You. Yeah, so they've, yeah. there's no spiders in
0: Montana. There is, is like
2: because you don't like spiders, the- do you?
0: I'm not. I, I'm a lot better. I think from just being around nature all the time. When I was a child, I was I, I couldn't even look at a photo of a spider in the book was that arachnophobic
2: why no, no, I'm not saying afraid? like why that's why? silly but no, no, no what's wrong with you <laughs> that Can did I? sound
0: I'm not afraid of anything
2: <laughs> <laughs> that did sound a bit like that you loser <laughs> you loser
0: no but is spider. that well, why
2: is that like a genetic thing is I it think a
0: so. well I think it's a primal thing like snakes some people are scared of dogs when they're born you know like it's an mm. it's a epigenetic mm. thing to be afraid of spiders and snakes it's a we know it in our genes you don't need to be told don't Play with the snake. Um,
2: they just look bad, don't
0: they? They just look yeah. But uh, yeah, but and the spider me. thing. And I lived in I lived in um, Hong Kong for a long time, and they were the big, big poisonous wolf spiders. And they would always get into my room and on me in some way, and it would almost go catatonic. Um,
2: a wolf spider, no, they were poisonous wolf spiders. Okay,
0: my huntsmen. They were poisonous.
2: about huntsmen too.
0: Yeah, oh. and I don't know. They're this big, and they're very mobile, yeah. and they're bitey. They're not the yeah. the Avondale spider like you can pat them from the movies. The friendly ones, the big friend. They, these are bitey. Are
2: like the bird? Are they bird eating? Those bird eating ones are big, aren't they?
0: Yeah, no. These are yeah. They're not fluffy like they look like the <laughs> huntsmen. They look like those.
2: They're not. They're not good. And you're clearly scarred.
0: Clearly, d- deeply traumatized. But
2: let's I, get. Yeah. On. Look before yeah. you <laughs> break out in a sweat. I want to talk. This is again a polarizing <laughs> conversation. If not, yeah, it is. Maybe not for you and I. Mm. Um, but this is what I'm going to pose. So, do you think I'm just going to? I'm going to make sure I'm clear in framing up this conversation. This question: Do you think it is uh, sensible, prudent, that we should be willing to give up some freedoms to save the planet? That's that's. I won't extrapolate any more than that.
0: No. <laughs> like, I think the the militant top-down stick approach to change and behavioural change to achieve our outcomes n- has never worked. Think of a single example where that's worked. And you look at what's happening in China right now with the one-child policy. They're in a hell of hurt from some very short-term stick thinking that this was going to solve problems. And this is at the root of everything that we're dealing with is we think that Maybe if we crank down, maybe if we force people, maybe if we tax them, maybe if we have offsets, uh, all that bullshit that's happening right now, none of that leads to true transformational change. And that's why at Integrity Soils, we're so interested in how do we train the, the thought agents and the change makers and people that are involved in making some of these decisions to just pause start to work through how do we really create the outcomes that we want? Because I think some of this militant behavior that we've seen to protect the many at the cost to the few, deeply down had very good values at the basis of it. You know, like we do want to take care of people or, um, you know, we want better environmental outcomes so we should tax farmers, which, oh my God, you want a stupidity in action, something like that? Like you're going to tax the people that are providing the food to your plate? And you think that's going to change behaviour? It might, but it's only a change and it might only be temporary and it's not going to lead to the whole-scale transformation that is required in landscapes. So, I don't know, you want to get my bee in a buzz. That stuff just annoys me.
2: Well, I want to explore it a bit because, not just to piss you off, but because I think it's a really – it's something I haven't thought much of. I mean, I have opinions and I'm trying to be discerning about all that, but something came up for me the other day where I – was asked that question, hmm. and I wasn't ready for it. Hmm, I wasn't I, my, ready for that either. No. It's a great
0: question. No one's ever asked me that on a podcast, um, or ever.
2: So, we'll, we'll, we'll leave it there. Then I've got that question now. Okay. Good, that thanks. was lovely. Go Thank you. No, my straight answer was no, mm-hmm. and then, but I wasn't quick enough to then. Um, I said, I guess, turn that question back around and ask, "Well, what do we want? Well, do you do you think we should be, um, you know, um, uh, prepared to lose freedoms and why? Mm. Uh, so, do you? is there any examples of that that you kind of? I oh, know this is a bit. I'm, I'm prodding and poking just because I'm quite uh, not sensitive. It, it's a yeah, it's a it's a thing that. Needs to be workshopped. No, it doesn't. That's the wrong word. I like it. I like exploring it because I think it's healthy to explore yeah.
0: it. Yeah, it is healthy to explore it. And then uh, asking them multiple questions of why, getting to the root of why is something important, and what's the values that are underlying that, and then really thinking of how do we come at some of these things with a very long term focus, like a you know a thousand year sustainability vision. What what does it look like? And we're designing so of these things from this paradigm that we're in right now, which is this mechanistic, reductionist, chemical soup that we are trying to then have something born out of while we're in it. Like, I'm going to fly in a plane tomorrow. Right, you think about the, the potential destruction, and my father's a pilot, and they know what's going on up there and, and how negative that impact is up in the tro- troposphere. And, and we're going to talk about putting ethanol in there instead or just like we're just switching one input for another instead of thinking how do we redesign our systems? Um, and that's what's required is a redesign of all of these structures that are not going to change just because you changed an input. They're not going to change because like you look at like the big Black Friday sales they had in the U.S. last year, biggest of all time. It's like while we're more aware of consumerism and greed being at the <laughs> basis of this, it's getting louder and bigger and bigger. Because until we start addressing the inner issues that are driving this, which is people feeling isolated, people not looking after themselves, people deeply feeling separate from ecosystems, from each other, and not dealing with their trauma, right? Not to simplify trauma. But this is the places we need to be doing this work so we can start to be really thoughtful and creative in how we're coming up with solutions and it's the piece we're stepping over the care of children the education of children the health of people in general the long-term health of people and then looking after the elderly all these really important systems are the ones that we don't value and we step over but that's what's driving all of it Um, well not all of it but a lot of it right we could talk about soil, but, you know. Like oh, we haven't even talked about, it. This, about this is the funny
2: thing. We haven't even got to soil yet. No. Um, do next you time. Do you think – well, yeah, next time. But no, no we'll make sure we, we give people a whiff of it. Um, That's good. We – so just on that a little bit more, do you think uh, – how do I say this without putting words in your mouth? How, uh, like, do you think that the um, – well, I'll make a comment first – the – I sometimes struggle with, um, you talk about inputs mm-hmm. and replacement of inputs, mm-hmm. substitution. Swa- substitution, swapping out. Mm-hmm. Something I struggle with is um, there's a, there's a, there's a, called greenwashing. It feels like mm-hmm. greenwashing, like if we start doing this and stop doing that, we're going to save the planet. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to insert here. Yeah, that's it. And so there's examples of that. And, and you know, do you, do, you, do you have a sense of that? That's that's a that's a bit of a driving thing towards where we put it under the umbrella of wokeism, or we put it under the sort of um, uh, we're all being greenwashed, or there's other agendas at play, or all of the above. Is that something that that maybe doesn't keep you up at night, uh, but you're, well, you're no, sensitive to? I
0: just think the minute that we focus on a practice change, nothing alters because the mindset and the spiritual connection doesn't change. So. If we are going, and this is interesting, like you think about cover crops. So last year an additional, I think, 50 million acres of cover crops, maybe I'm off with that number, went into the U.S., right? So big drive for cover crops, um, subsidies for cover crops, and it's just a practice change. Well, then you think, I wonder how much more glyphosate went on there. (laughs) Yeah. Was anyone thinking about that? How are you terminating it? Um, is that really getting you the outcomes that you want? And maybe for some people that practice change leads to a mindset change, but for many it doesn't because you're ticking a box. It's like why at the end of the day organics did not achieve what I think organics was set out to do when I, I came from within the organic industry, left in 2005, because of this focus on just fighting fires, Right, and, he, and and so much of what we do and even in activism is just fighting fires. And until we address the core driver underneath it, which is the mindset, the values, the people, the philosophy, the paradigms, then we are going to continue on this trajectory. So, yes, greenwashing is going to happen. Am I going to stop it? No. Um, am I happy that some people
3: – <laughs> all right,
0: Allergies. Am I happy that some people are at least – thinking about soil health or they have a new practice that they haven't tried before? Are they buffering their chemicals? Are they, I know, putting a compost extract? Are, are, are they improving their grazing? Yay! But until we look at that whole and reflect on that whole system, nothing really is going to alter in any meaningful way. And that's why we're so passionate about our work.
2: You, uh, the other day, both you and Megan were saying, and it was lovely, that... Um, Change is not necessarily transformation. Do you want to explore that for a bit? Like, change is
0: generally <laughs> – yeah, so if we think about change as being um,
2: – How's, how's Charlie, your temperature too, by the way? I'm good. Yeah, okay. Charlie
0: Arnott's going to shave his beard. <gasps>
2: My <gasps> wife would love that.
0: Heaven <gasps> forbid.
2: <laughs>
0: the world's like, no.
2: Uh,
0: then Charlie Arnott just goes to back. That is change. Nothing, yeah. is, nothing is really <laughs> altered. There's a temporal shock, um, but transformation is the, you know, the caterpillar through to the chrysalis to the butterfly. And <laughs> even if you pull the butterfly's wings off, it does not become a caterpillar. That is transformation. And so this is the piece that we're really interested in is how do you open a doorway to health and possibility and resilience and ecosystem function and oh, human well-being, like the whole thing in a way that that door can never be shut because it becomes abhorrent to go back to destroying your landscape or, or killing something. or you know, And that's what we see with people that really are, have a deep ecological, deep regenerative, whatever, however you want to put things in a box, but people that are interrelating with their landscape in a deeper way is you can never go back to then like, okay, I just have to spray everything out because I have a pin rush down there. Nah. You know, so that's the piece that we're looking at is how do we shift here because shifting out there doesn't do us any good. And the offsets that we're seeing around the world and the carbon trading, it hasn't reduced any emissions. People are going and planted some trees which have then maybe have burnt down or they're, they're ripping off the system and they're getting carbon credits for trees that were there anyway. None of this is really altering the amount of emissions that people – and, in fact, the emissions are going up. So until we address this piece –
2: yeah. Um, more thoughts on carb- the carbon economy? I mean, maybe it's clear already, but...
0: I think it's kind of clear already. Well, I think if we... if To look at what is happening right now, yay, are we happy that people are talking about carbon? We've been talking, like, kind of 30 years from, from myself about, mm. or just less than, what is going on. You know, like we need to talk about soil carbon and the value of carbon and that carbon's not a pollutant. But it switched to now it's a pollutant, and I think yes. at the root of it, if you think about <laughs> that nasty carbon. it, nasty carbon Poisonous. is we are carbon based organisms, we are vilifying ourselves. The attack on carbon Whoa. is an attack on self, mm. and so until we start to see that actually, this is we are on a carbon based planet, carbon is energy, carbon is. Potentially there's an imbalance if we have an excess of carbon in some places and not enough in others. If you think we may have potentially lost 200 gigatons of carbon off landscapes and that has gone either into waterways or up in the atmosphere since the first plough was developed, right? So we've just been losing carbon, losing carbon, not losing it like it's gone. It's just been reallocated to other places. And I don't think carbon's the biggest driver for climate change anyway. I think it's land management and water land management and water, right? So what are we doing here is actually the biggest impact on global um, climate variability. And so getting people reconnected to these very real things that you can see instead of, oh, I need a carbon scrubber to solve a problem that's not real because (laughs) it's not the problem, right? We need to be looking at the whole system. And it's so easy for carbon because, you know, we can measure this piece in the atmosphere and we're going to pay you for this and what's coming out of your – Engine. It's like the – the. and I'm not going to talk about what I did with my vehicle, but my vehicle in the U.S., right, it's a 350.
2: Mm, Ram? No, Ford. Ford, yeah.
0: To tow my jewel, jewel,
2: um Jewel. jewel no, bracket. I sold
0: my dually because it's really hard to get in and out of towns, and it's my okay. only vehicle. So I did get rid of the dually, and I kind of miss it because it was very – it's a great vehicle for towing. But they have these, you know, emissions system that they put into your – into your engine so that you, um, you know, they, they pump that carbon dioxide back through the engine to um, reduce the amount of emissions that are coming out.
2: Yeah, sort of recycle or re-extract or something.
0: Yeah, but the stupid thing is you use probably 30% more fuel and your engine only lasts half as long. So I'm like, hmm. what solution is this right now? Like, it's maddening to see that... Knee jerk reaction of this very short term, oh, we tick this box and therefore your emissions are less. What a load of BS! So I'm like, can we just start to think more long term, more whole systems? <laughs> anyway,
2: <laughs> is that not like electric cars
0: though? Uh, yeah, I think there's a little bit of that. I think, particularly if you're going to force people, again, the militant kind of thing. Um, and again, whole systems, how long are these things going to last? I think the technology is improving. But, no, I'm not going to be rushing out to get an electric car that's then fueled by electricity from a coal mine.
2: <laughs> this Sorry. is indeed – because, yeah, and I totally totally am on the page there because I struggle – I really struggle with that because you see so much talk about it – well, you see so much talk – you hear so much talk about it. You see it in the papers. Um, it's, you know, corporations are, are buying fleets of um, electric cars for their staff and yada yada and they're ticking lots of boxes. Mm-hmm. And – it's a bit of a. I won't go into it because everyone's probably so sick of me He's talking Ew. about it. Is wind farms and what they're all about because yeah. we str- we had we battled them for some years mm. and we were successful in pissing them off mm. uh, immediately around us. Anyway, anyway, and that's a whole other story. But being sort of sensitive to the the swapping out of technologies mm. and and what that actually what that actually means and the whole electric car thing is really. Um, Mm. Really interesting. Yeah. I uh, one little anecdote I, I heard um, when they did the Glasgow. What was la- is it cop something last year in Glasgow? Mm-hmm. Or Was it the year before? Mm. Okay, electric cars on the uh, cars on the topic, you know, yeah, yeah, they, and they had them. Um, bad
0: cows, bad cows,
2: naughty cows. Oh, no, so
0: naughty! You're so bad.
2: So farting and burping everywhere, yep. and so the they had electric cars for all the dignitaries and so on, because that was you know woke and cool because uh, they, you know, they don't want to be seen driving petrol cars Mm-mm. but they didn't have enough charging stations to charge all the cars Yeah. so what do they, what do, they do? They had them hooked up to diesel generators. <laughs> yeah, that was just like right there. That, that says it that says that it. That so all. says it all. Oh my gosh. Um, now I want to so we kind of covered that one. Any other um, oh we we keep. You, I think you're avoiding it. Mm-hmm. Polarisation. Give me the sort of the maybe not a definition, but kind of the, mm-hmm. the why was dropped in there yesterday in the course mm-hmm. and the importance of it and, and the sort of the why looking at it and kind of workshopping it is a good thing. Mm.
0: For me, I think that so much of what we're seeing right now is the is the outcome of polarisation uh, and and what we're seeing are more and more extreme views and more wrong and right and. Separation, like polarization is creating separation, and we see that in politics, we're seeing it in, um, it could even be food choices, cows, veganism. It could be vaccinations. It could be in America. It could be guns.
2: Australia, New Zealand.
0: Australia, New Zealand. Oh, no, we love
2: each other. <laughs> I want to get back to <laughs> that. Unless we talk cool. about
0: rugby. Right, sports, maybe. There's the, and, and so you're seeing even, like, families being pulled apart. We saw this during COVID. Like, even husbands and wives disagreeing on this and to the point, like, you just go your separate ways. And it's like, what the heck is happening? And what's happened is... Well, there's two parts. One part is that when we have a polarized view, we believe that our values are being attacked. So it's called, it's also called a paradox. It's these two parts of life that are in balance, they're not opposite, but they're things that you need both. So think of the in-breath and the out-breath. Think of summer and winter. These are things that are different, they're complementary. we need one. One doesn't exist without the other in some ways. And so, if we consider these either ends of the of these polarities, is there's deep values of what people care about? And we did this exercise yesterday around vaccination because I was kind of curious. Um, is that w- what is it that people really value about being vaccinated? There's this con- concern about community well-being, about safety, about taking care of each other, about health. And then you ask the people who. were you know don't want to be vaccinated it's about health it's about taking care of communities it's about freedom like these things are very similar Um, and then we have different ways of packaging and suddenly we can't talk about it anymore and so it's the not being able to talk about it piece that what i like about working through polarity maps is we can get really interested in what are your values how do we maintain those values and still be able to move forward how do we maintain those values and have a conversation um And so because I've lived my life on the road, or at least for the, well, I have lived my whole life on the road, but the last eight years, literally without a home. So in my trailer, living in other people's homes, staying with farmers for, you know, a week, three weeks. I think one of them I might have stayed a couple months and we're still friends. Um, (laughs) But like through that, uh, how can I be present to what people care about and listen and be curious with any topic. So I can talk about anything. And I don't have to agree with you. Um, I have my own opinions, but I can listen to what is these deep core values. And so when we're looking through, as we move forward and we're transitioning, how do we maintain some of these values that are really important to people and still be able to take steps forward in a way that stops this pendulum swinging as extreme as it is, because the extremity is getting worse. And then what's going to happen is the action might be to solve that as more militant behaviour, right? We're going to push it all this way, um, and that doesn't actually solve anything, and it creates more negative unintended consequences. So I'm really interested in how how do we bring love and connection to these kind of conversations? Because you can see where the pendulum's going, and it, it, it's kind of not cool.
2: Hey, you know what we're going to do? We'll get out of the wind. Can we just move it over there? I don't
0: know. Let try. <laughs> I thought we couldn't. Oh.
3: Uh,
2: entertain everyone while we chat. Just don't trip over that nice thing good. there. Are you honestly saying you don't? What? Bit, bit, no, table
3: people move. love this shit. <laughs> that's
2: the. Um, I get going. Is that the wind? Yeah. That's better. Yeah, that's much better.
0: Yeah, I love it when you move
2: tables. Well that's, no, so that's a first. actually that's a first. That is a first. People doing things for Yeah. I was there when Charlie Arnott moved the table. Yeah, doing a wee halfway through is not new. No. Right, okay. Um so I
0: didn't know you
2: were going to just keep running. Sorry, yeah. everybody, but no, no, people love I it. Have, it was, I, I have someone, the farmer's
0: bladder because you can just jump off your horse and pee And, and just, so do a, just, just do, just yeah. do
2: wheeze. Okay. Well, someone yesterday said they um, actually that reminds me of another question. Um, they love the Zach Bush interview. Who he he did 160 interviews last year. Oh my gosh! Podcasts. Yeah. yeah. Well, I guess podcast slash interview and. Um, He, which is amazing, and I was thinking, how do I make that a little bit different? I guess the difference may have been no editing anyway. So I was saying, it was lovely how, because we were sitting at the farm at Byron Bay on the veranda there, which I've done a few interviews at, and we were chatting away. And just at this really perfect moment, you know, he's talking about nature as he does so well, and these two kids turned up. Well, hi, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing near with microphones? And we're going, Oh, we're doing a podcast. What's that? Oh, we ask each other or well, ask questions and it was just such a beautiful thing. I like that. It was so lovely. And um
0: I wouldn't have cut that out. I did not cut out the we. No, no,
3: no. Oh, you know what they did the other day?
2: I was interviewing um Shanna Wan she I I'm sure she won't mind me saying this. <laughs> And which you might, you might have to cut out your way there before, because she had the mic on and she oh, went.
3: Oh, yeah.
2: Okay. Well, that's <laughs> better than that. the
0: time that I had a mic on and I projectile vomited during a class. <laughs> it was awesome. Ran down this woolshed shed steps. Oh, uh, I, I actually said to everybody, I, I think I'm going to Oh, they heard it because
2: there was one of those. Surround oh, sound, no.
0: projectile vomit. What Luckily, you, everyone eating? sprinted for the speakers and turned it off after the first one, but that's from dairy. dairy milk poisoning. I'm allergic to milk. Really? hmm Anything out of a nipple.
2: So, okay.
0: <laughs> I haven't tried cat or dog, but anything <laughs> out of a nipple
2: is not good. Um, is that a lifelong thing or is that mm-hmm. a more recently? thing?
0: Uh, well, it got, got worse once we figured out what it was. So once I came off the milk, now I can't touch it at all, but my whole life it's just been headaches, nearly every day, headaches.
2: So that was a dairy, like a, a cow dairy thing that anything originally? Anything
0: out of a nipple. Really? Even my mother's milk.
2: Is that a genetic thing?
0: It's an epigenetic oh, your thing.: epigenetic, so my, I Ooh, have the MTHFR tough. gene, which is also known kids close your ears as the motherfucker gene. Um, and about 40 million Americans have this gene. It may not be switched on or off, but what this gene controls is the detoxification of your liver, so my liver doesn't detox properly.:
2: So so wow. That's serious. So, and so, yeah. so, so, what were the what were the symptoms when you were on, on the on the boob when you were little? What were, were, oh, you, were like you reflux and right?
0: Yeah, puking.
2: A lot of puking. A lot of puking. So that is that. Maybe that goes on a lot more than people uh, oh, appreciate.
0: Oh, I, I think so. And and you can get a blood test to identify it. Just doesn't tell you if it's on or off. But you, if you have problems detoxifying, it's why I got so sick when I got poisoned with Paraquat. As I can meet farmers that are like, oh, I sprayed myself in paraquat. I'm fine. And I'm like, I got, I was hospitalised and suffered for 15 years. Tell after. me about, tell me
2: about that. Well, were you happy? Are happy to talk about that?
0: I I was walking on a on the side of the road. That well, we we we're guessing. So, as a Kiwi living in Hong Kong, I used to run around barefoot because we're New Zealanders and Australia. And you're in Hong too. Kong
2: because your dad was a pilot. Dad right? was a pilot, yeah. so.
0: Um, and I must have had a cut on my foot or some way for the paraquat to enter your body. So paraquat is a residual herbicide. There's no antidote for it. When it enters your body, it will never leave um, unless no. you do what I do. Um, and then... Uh, it's one of the leading causes of suicide in third world countries because there's no antidote. So if you drink that stuff, it's going to be nasty. You're
2: going to uh, die. Uh, when you say if you drink that stuff? Yeah. Oh, so people drink it as a – drink
0: it to kill, kill themselves. Oof. Which, I, don't do that.
2: That's not cool. That might be a very nice way to like, mm. – that would be pretty no.
0: – um,
2: yeah. So they good. thought
0: I had meningitis. My neck froze, um, migraines, and, yeah, the migraines really didn't stop after that. I could have maybe four migraines a month. And they're debilitating, those things. Um, but my, it looked like my C1, C2 fused. Um, and, so, and then for the next 15 years, my muscles were like rocks. Like, you couldn't massage.
2: Like, it was just rock. So this is in your, what, teens, early 20s? So
0: 15, it happened. Um, and then just people just thought I was just a grumpy teenager, you know. And then, I, like, foggy brain, just uh, just a bit dopey. And that lasted until I was 30 when I met a chemical detox specialist who used radionics, and he's like, oh, you've got paraquat poisoning. And I'm like, what? And we did hyperbaric chamber, intravenous vitamin C. The stinking gray stuff came out my nose, and it stank like chemicals. like It was disgusting. And it it came out my nose for like 10 days, 15 years later, because it sits in your spinal fluid and in the brain. All around that. Mm -mm.
2: So it it, it, it possibly came came through your foot. Came into your body via your foot.
0: Yep, and then passes the blood-brain barrier. And And, and a
2: paraquat, for those who don't know, is a a plant um, herbicide. Mm -hmm. And it's it's banned
0: in many countries. They just re-released it in New Zealand, I believe. I haven't checked. I didn't follow up, but it was banned in New Zealand, and I think they've actually got it readmitted.
2: And it's a select it's a selective or it's broad- a
0: selective
2: yeah i' don't, I'm sure we used to use paraquat I'm familiar with it not because of I went to uni but I'm really sure we used to <laughs> no <laughs> or in my but what's really interesting form of life. is
0: is the guys that tell me that they're fine and they've sprayed it them whole lives you ask them about their kids and their kids will have um Leukemia, their kids will have ADHD, their kids will have learning disorders, autism, the whole spectrum. And now what we're seeing is epigenetically, the research is coming out to show that fungicides and herbicides alter the the genome, so how the gene expresses itself so that your kids have um, reduced resilience, are more likely to have chemical, food, allergies, all the rest of it. Um, and it's it's just humanity. We're not very good at responding to things that are chronic. We can respond to the acute. You break your leg, go to the doctor. But things that are affecting the genome are now going to that alter that for three, four. The research has shown in, in nematodes, anyway, 25 generations are being altered by that switch of a gene. Um, and so I think we're going to see some of this stuff happening increasingly until we clean our act up, and that's why... Take figuring out what's going on for yourself, going and doing things like you know infrared saunas, fulvic acid binders. You okay, know, And so I know Zach s- Bush talks about that, but
2: about which one? Binders. Oh, the fulvic acid, the fulvic binders. acid. So mm-hmm. tell me just because this, uh, just, just uh, as part of the educational element of this, mm-hmm. um, can you without you don't have to give us all the exhaustive detail, but in terms of what you did mm-hmm. um, as a as a detoxing, you mentioned so hyperbaric
0: chamber, oh. hyperbaric chamber, intravenous uh, vitamin C. Yep. So you can do that in Australia you can do it in Portland in the U.S. There's more places opening up in the U.S. doing it. In New Zealand and Takapuna, there are detox specialists. But go to a specialist, like if your body's full of ag chemical, which many, you know, farmers, mm-hmm. if you had, you know, your back was covered in dye when you're spraying herbicides, you've got it in your cells. Um, and so working with someone because detoxification can be really hard on the body when you first start, so you need nutritional support or homeopathic support, or whatever works for you. But um,
2: do you know any doctors in Australia?
0: I don't know them personally, but I know no. that we can get this done.
2: Okay, because no, we might I try and find some. Put on the I show. Would, notes or something. Yeah,
0: I would connect with someone that can actually do some detoxification because I, it's probably the main thing people contact me out of the book. I'm like, here's a book on soil, and all these farmers are like, I am laden. You know, if you're a foggy brain, if your memory's not very good. Um, if you just, you know, digestion systems, headaches, cr- just feel like crap. You've mm. probably got ag chemicals all through you.
2: So, an intravenous, interesting you say, intravenous vitamin C, it mm. seems to be such a, has such broad application. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. To I think it's everything. Phenomenal. I mean, I've been told different things. I haven't looked into the like actual research literature, but this idea that a healthy cell can break vitamin C down and an unhealthy cell can't, and it, Forms a chemical reaction that releases hydrogen peroxide and kills that cell. Oh,
2: yeah. hang on—the the bad cell, the good the cell, bad the bad cell. cell yeah, because hydrogen peroxide—that's that was another thing with yeah. um, nasal sprays and COVID and everything, mm-hmm, wasn't it?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, so I do like
0: the vitamin C. I mean, it changed my life. I'm forever grateful.
2: And then, so hyperbaric, um, vitamin C, did you mention something else there? We did, did?
0: homeopathy, so there was homeopathic okay. support, nutrition, and then yeah, it's a journey, right? Like your soil is a journey, so I think all of us have our soil health internal journey for the body.
2: Should we get to soil finally? Do you know a bit I about it? Soil. Do That's you do everybody. stuff with soil?
0: See
2: you next time. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That was not the soil interview with Nicole Masters that we thought we were going to have. So I don't know. I mean, where do you want to start? Oh, I know I want to start. I just want to ask you a question well, because it came it, it up we've yesterday. have been
0: for an hour 47. Everyone's probably left at this point.
2: Do you need to leave as no, well? No, we're I'm really fine. enjoying this, no, so I, I have to say. It. and You our don't, buddies, you don't no, have to. Our
0: tour's not back. They're not so.
2: back. Martin doesn't need his phone. He's not going to be happy with all the text messages and. people. It, so, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so let's get to saw. But before we dig, dig into uh, something, was mentioned the other day at the course. This is at dinner last night, or maybe mm-hmm. at lunch or something. Mm-hmm. The um, there's a word that starts with a, or there's a, there's a creature that starts with a, and it's not bacteria or fungi.
0: Archaea.
2: That's it. Mm-hmm. Tell me about that.
0: It's interesting that they've always lumped archaea and bacteria in in the same category and now we're beginning to realize Archaea they look very similar to bacteria their cell walls are totally different they are often called the extremophiles because they were found in the most extreme environments. And one of the arguments is these were the first organisms on the planet, which is what archaea means, the ancient ones.
2: So when you say extreme, we're talking, what, Antarctica uh, or something? Yeah, we're not even moon. more extreme
0: like that. Like the bottom of, like, thermal hydro vents in the ocean, the hot springs in Yellowstone. It's what gives the Yellowstone hot springs all its colors. Um, salt marshes so you see the different colors you fly into san francisco they've got the salt ponds there, they're all different colors those are all archaea um and what's and they're in your gut but interestingly uh, they're some of the most common organisms in healthy soil so they're not just extreme organisms
2: more i yeah, no, that's it
3: it'll
0: do. That's enough. Well, it, it's interesting because I don't
2: think it's fascinating that these things are—they're not—they're like their own little are, they, thing.
0: They're more related to an animal than they are to a bacteria, which is really interesting. So they're totally separate. So
2: they're totally like a, they're separate. like another um, uh, uh, king. No. Yeah, phylum or something. Another kingdom, kingdom phylum, class, mm-hmm. order, family, genus, species. It's the only thing I remember from wow. science.
0: So you wanted to impress me? You just did.
2: Wow. I did. Yeah, I so had that, had that written here.
0: Impressed. again? Yeah, that spread. was
2: the second time. Or the first time was about the medlar.
3: <laughs> no, because
2: no, I always have to. It's a bit like it's a bit like mm. the ABC. Like if I'm trying to work out where what's after F, I have to run through the whole alphabet. Well, up to that letter to then work it out. Mm-hmm. And it's a bit like that to work out the.
0: Why did you ask about okay?
2: Cuz it came up yesterday and I never heard of it. Oh. And and I was and, and it was it was it was like oh it's not a not a fungi it's not a bacteria and it's not an animal it's not a plant. I was and like it, well and,
0: and it looks like bacteria.
2: Right. Mm-hmm. But, but 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 from what I gather pretty important part of the very important, you know,
0: and, and of your gut and on your skin and uh, and every single, I mean, everything around us, right? So it, it just comes down to, I guess, naming things and our need to name things, whereas mm. I'm more interested in the function piece. And then you think about viruses. No, nothing about viruses. 8% of your genome is viral. Yeah. And it's like, how much of your body is because of viruses? And then how much in the soil is viruses? And we know nothing about what they're doing. We know that they control bacterial populations and that a bacteria will live forever. And the reason it doesn't is because a virus will take it out. Otherwise, they'll just keep on living. So there's all this phenomenon that's really important when we think about soil health and we know very little about it. And then do we need to know anything about it at the same time? Like.
2: Function. And you hear the word virus now and everyone goes, oh, bad.
0: Oh, bad. Yeah, well, it's like bacteria. Oh, bad. Or nematodes. So like 5% of nematodes are named, but 95% of the research goes into that 5% because it's all the bad guys, right? So generally if a nematode has a name, it's because it's bad.
2: Because it's naughty, yeah.
0: Or they're studying it. Um, so it's our focus on what what's bad and then maybe we'll make a product or maybe we'll kill it and we're back no. in that old reactive world that we are shifting out of.
2: Um, let's. I want your reaction when I say soil because I don't know where you <laughs> want to start. I mean, we could. You could. For those who want all the detail, you can. Um, you can purchase a copy of um, "For the Love of Soil." It's also an audio. It's also an audio which you you read out. Yeah, um, that was fun. And so um, we don't need we don't need to rehash the whole thing because people can do that in their own time. Do Is there anything that you? Um, want to highlight about soil you mentioned function Mm. is is do you want to talk about function of soil I mean I don't know where do you want to start because I don't I mean I can be really oh gosh you know it's
0: like asking someone about their kids where do you start when we talk about soil okay
2: let's get back to your son Mm mm-hmm not too personal, I hope. did he with your paraquat mm-hmm. um stuff? Mm-hmm. did you was was there a gen- genetic epigenetic kind of stuff
0: mm-hmm. yeah, and and I think because we came at it proactively, I think we managed issues that for other people are insurmountable. Like he's never got a formal diagnosis because I felt like a label wasn't going to help his behavior. And we really managed his. Some of his behavioural imbalances, let's just mm. say, through food. So he didn't have sugar or wheat until he was over the age of twelve. Again, again. Bombing. You're still going. And, and no, yep. no, let me finish, Martin.
2: Peter Andrews is going to kill you. He been ringing. No, he just ticked. I haven't no, read it. Peter I haven't read. Eders, I haven't read Eders, it.
3: Forty-six minutes. Ago. Forty-six <laughs> messages.
2: I think we'll be right. My phone seems to be right. Everyone's. Oh, everyone's back yeah. from right, the right,
0: farm that's
2: all right we're all we're all part of it
0: world famous
2: hi team this
0: look at them on your Yo, yeah, yeah this yeah. is the only time Yo, you world Jake tell
2: you, <laughs> all previous invitations are known and void <laughs>
0: um yeah inside um nothing like being bombed by a bunch of <laughs> uh, farming pros. But good
2: but good people
0: good people um
2: yeah, yeah so so did, he, didn't
0: he, we managed I managed like he felt he felt like life was pretty hard because he couldn't eat all the bullshit that other kids were eating. So, you know, he's 22 and at the time there wasn't really gluten-free options, there wasn't mm-hmm. really sugar-free options, and so and I'm not the best cook. Well, I'm a better cook than I was then. Um and so yeah, life was probably pretty simple like he felt like a a little separated from other kids cuz if if he had those foods, he was out of control.
2: Yeah. So behavioral, behavioral was mm. the main way that came out?
0: Mm. Yeah. And so…
2: That's a lifelong thing? Like that's a, that he's Well, a,
0: it's interesting because we talked to a doctor when he was 12, and he said because he hadn't had that early damage to the gut and the villi, then actually he was in a better position to eat foods now that he eats that he couldn't have eaten as a child. So, um Yeah.
2: You had you you'd limited the damage, or the long, longer longer term. Limited the damage. damage,
0: and then it's his choice, right? So yeah. when he was twelve, I'm like, "You now get to choose, because if if there's consequences from your behaviour, you're going to go and manage it for yourself. I'm not going to manage."
2: Which is a bit. Well, I think it was touched on yesterday, or the day before. It's like you've got to have a you know, in my words, a few challenges, you know, the black and the white mm-hmm. to kind of then create the boundaries for oneself. We didn't talk about, in the case of food yesterday, but I think we mm-hmm. talked about kind of, um, uh, well, it's a bit like the polarisation, isn't yeah. it? You know, your good times, your bad times. So back mm. to soil. Tell me, how do you want to, I don't know, where, how do you want to approach something it?
3: good about say soil. Something? <laughs> <laughs>
2: so, <laughs> Is there anything good to say about soil? What What's about your favourite you? soil?
0: Oh... Favorite soil. Oh, I think I have two. Don't
2: one get offended. Oh, come okay.
0: on! I'm gonna I'm gonna make some soils really upset right now. Um, <laughs> I do have a soil that's on the edge of Glacier National Park. Um, it's this deep, dark, deep prairie soil that you just keep digging and you're going through black soil and
3: you're
2: going through How black far? soil. And oh, I did was one dig.
0: Well, this is what we're trying to figure out: is there was a bear. Den on the side of a face, and the den went straight sideways through the profile. And uh, we we made sure there was no bear in it at the time. Um, And (laughs) we climbed in. So you actually got in it and got in it, and and it's this fate like you can see it. And then we were thirty feet down, and we're digging sideways into soft black earth like you could just it's all above you the roots are all coming through it was just it was so stunning and the smell of that and the rebound of that and the bear in there was quite funny because every Thursday night when he was in the den was calf night and he would come out in the middle of these pastures and take a calf and it was like just regular.
2: Oh, he would work. come out. He would take a calf. calf take a calf. Oh, like like just like a like the like like salad bar or the, yeah, the, the small like I'm, I'm going going yeah, out to get yeah. another And calf. so they
0: they, they had this great big trap uh, to catch the bear. And on the side of it, it said "Do not enter." And I think the bear could
3: read because he did. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: they just could not catch this guy. And finally, they did manage to catch
2: him. And, yeah, um, going. We'll bye. See you guys. guys. Bye. See ya. See you, Gregory. All right, all right. You can say hello. See you, mate. Oh, it's really nice. Good to see you. Yeah, Love catching up.
3: Scuddle oh, well I so good. Thank hello, you so Tissi. much for everything. You are so See you. Oh, oh, shit. Right, you. All right, we'll do it again. All right, we'll Yeah, we'll tonight. get on Zoom. No, 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 you didn't. <coughs>
2: Bye. Well, see people you. People have yeah. met the most extraordinary have lovely, people. Have a lovely time. Bye. Bye. See you, guys.
0: Yeah, this month has just been just so inspiring with the people that are in in agriculture that are really making massive differences and, like, from, you know, really young people, the older generation that are remembering things that they've forgotten and just people coming together from different cultural backgrounds, from different worlds, and I know we're all making the moves.
2: So from someone who was considering cancelling just for, for a number of reasons, and yeah. you only you came back. Have you been inspired oh. enough to think, oh you know what, I might I might just do that, I might
0: come back? Well, we've just got the first trees going into the property in Montana. We've got chickens about to go outside. Chicks. We've got a new horse arriving next week. It's gonna be hard. It's gonna be really hard. But the winter this winter's been brutal in Montana, so it often feels like maybe I should just travel in the winters and come down. You could just do the northern and
2: southern hemisphere kind of interchange. <laughs> yeah,
0: I well, it gets hard when you do have animals and i'm doing this by myself you know oh my mum's been amazing and i've had friends supporting me but when you get a piece of land you get a bit more grounded and it's harder to travel so
2: why i mean you mentioned before um i think before we moved the table or maybe just after you're you know you had not been living somewhere for eight years or Mm. you've kind of been sort of you know in a trailer so um tell me what does it mean to have a farm you've got somewhere for your horses.
0: Or somewhere like, to educate too. So, like we're building a, a an educational center. The land the the, the new initiative is called the Underland Land on
2: on the farm on
0: the property. Awesome. So it's six acres, and it really is just a demonstration of we'll do different types of composting, um, different types of plants, and looking at a piece of land that for the last thirty years has been really just. Neglected, mm. so it's never had real animals on it. it had some goats for a, a bit, just in one tiny section. Um, but like, how quickly can we can we switch the soil back on, and what starts to grow? So we'll make sure we are really. I'm not very good at the benchmarking. Sometimes you know, just get busy with doing stuff. So benchmarking the the journey and to be back in the position of oh, where do you start? Is quite fun.
2: And as a steward, yes. like that's kind of you know you you that's important
0: yeah I think so and I I think I've always had animals in and I sold my farm in 2015 so that where was that one that was in Waipukuro in Hawke's Bay Waipukuro means the two rivers where the fungi grows really I quite like that I didn't find it. it for a while that's awesome so cool and so um you know having that property there and then you know that's when I left my husband but having that Place where you're sharing that with somebody else, and you've got someone that you know he was great in working on on the land and kind of helping me achieve these dreams. Like he was really great at like yeah, put up some fence and let's try this and let's try that. And so yeah, this is a different journey. It's going to be interesting to see how it evolves, but I'm really excited about it. So it makes it harder to get on the road again.
2: But I guess is that, yeah. that's another chapter. You know, you've been on the road a lot.
0: Been on the road there's, so much. This is yeah. another,
2: another kind of, um, what you're gaining, not what you're losing moment.
0: And I got another book to write on oh, this epigenetics.
2: Really? Mm-hmm. Awesome.
0: Mm. So if anyone is working in this with their own animals or themselves or plants, then I want to talk to you because I think these are the stories of people that aren't looking at genetic tinkering, but are, Working on the plant breeding side or the animal breeding side with epigenetics.
2: Do you want to, for those who don't know about epigenetics, do you want mm-hmm. to give us a little Nicole Masters um, <laughs> definition?
0: Um so yeah, we, we always think about, you know, DNA and genetics and that's kinda of the blueprint of what makes you you and that gives you your phenotype, it's what gives you this beautiful beard and the curly hair and the <laughs> chest hair. You know, like that is a <laughs> that is a gene I don't have. <laughs>
3: Thank, um, thankfully. thankfully. Uh and so <laughs> you. uh
0: but that gene is switched on or switched off by a protein. So it's your environment that dictates which gene switches on or off in that blueprint. Um and so, yes, you're born with that genetic blueprint, but that blueprint could be disrupted. Some things are absolutely linked to genes, but um, and some disorders, about 3% of disorders are linked to a, a gene that, you know, if you've got that gene, you are going to have that disorder. But for many people, oh, it's Jim. actually a
2: switching on make, or a switching did off. Did you make those? <laughs> nice work, Jim. Yeah. Oh, unru- what about Nicole? Yeah. Has she got some? Nothing <laughs> out of a nipple. <laughs> Nothing out of a nipple. Oh, you we can't? can't it, no. Oh, a cup of tea. Oh, of tea. oh love yeah, that will be awesome. <laughs> With no nipple juices. Just, oh, uh, hey, Jim, up. can you do that without the cream on it for Nicole? Because you can't have anything no, out of a nipple. No, I can't. You even can't even, even have that. Of butter. You
3: can't no, even can't eat
2: It's gone. Eat. can no. you? No. Oh. It's right,
0: my sad, pathetic life. Maybe a tea.
2: So, um, the, so
0: the epigenome in my case
2: yeah, tell me about is how that, that
0: it, the protein has switched on the gene that means I can't tolerate wheat and dairy. Or in my case, dairy turns into... Cassio morphinase, which has the same chemical formula as morphine, so I can't do morphine either. If I wanted to be a junkie, I'm out of luck. So the gene
2: <laughs> switched a, on. Well, that's cool. probably got a, That's good. Like, can't oh, be a junkie. Great. That's, that's a great medical that's a, condition to have. A
0: career option that wasn't available. Um, and so, yeah, you can have genes <laughs> in your body. It just doesn't <laughs> mean it's switched on or switched off. So the the epigenome <laughs> part is what is the What's a signal to switch expression on or off? So we can turn gene expression off and we can do that through and there's some really great studies of the, the way the epigenome can be influenced by love. So just by loving touch early in life for children, that Come can on. actually change their ability to be resilient against trauma, be resilient in older life, be less likely to be an alcoholic or drug taking if they get early love. Lots of love, hugs, all that, you can actually change how your genome expresses itself. It's which
2: is so cool. And so it makes so much sense. You
0: know, and this is book number two. So we're not going to go too deep into no, it. No, right no, no, we don't want to give away. Prepare wide. yourself. It's going to be fun because we're going to look at how, how do we actually change these with some of the methylation, um, even foods that are available to us or some of the indigenous practices that actually will switch the epigenome on and off. A sweat lodge, hot, cold, all that stuff. So excited! So when, is this excited. Co- when is this
2: coming out?
0: When someone lets me stop travelling. When the planet says now's time to stop travelling and write. Oh my gosh, I love writing. I love snuggling away and just being alone. Do you
2: write with a pen or or tap it out on a computer? straight onto the computer. Yes, yeah, so you can you can like touch typey stuff. So. I
0: can mm-hmm. type three and a half to four thousand words a day.
2: Shit! How yeah. much? How and many words? Get RSI. <laughs> to put it in a context. How many words in "For the Love of Soil"?
0: Uh, the "For the Love of Soil" has ninety-two thousand words. Wow! But you know, you can type that much out, but then probably only ten percent goes into you know okay. the reworking. But I mm-hmm. allow that. I've never had writer's block. I just let it go. Just go. Just be like I'm talking to someone. Just go, and then I can come back and edit it and. That book was very badly edited. I do apologise to all of you, um, but yeah, I'll probably work with a professional editor next time.
2: Do you, um, in your writing, do you like a, a writing habit like Charlie Massey? Get up at four four thirty, and he just make him sure sort of punch out two hours every morning.
3: That sounds awful. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so that Charlie. wasn't so that wasn't your thing.
0: No, but just have a routine of yeah, a routine. I pretty much was just get all the humans out. So I house sat for people on some of the most beautiful ranches in the world, in the snow, no and attraction. just like went, oh, look after your cats and dogs and mm. horses and feed your chickens, and then I'd write and I'd write all day.
2: Back to um, epigenetics, if I may, mm. I don't know, without giving too much away, but more the, the granulus of the science. So mm. the protein switches on or off genes.
0: So think of that protein sheath is over the DNA. So you know the little X or the, some of you are wise. And when they were doing the studies in the 1950s and 60s, they threw the protein away and they just focused on the DNA. And then there was a heck of a shock when they realized that we have less of, that that genome in the human body is less than um, a fruit fly. And they're like, oh, wow, we thought that that was the secret. But the secret sauce is the protein. Yeah. And then how do we disrupt that protein? The protein will shift and and open backwards basically to allow that DNA code to to go out, to turn into, you know, skin cells or or muscles or... Blood or any of that. It's happening all the time.
2: And so, the relationship between protein we ingest, we, mm-hmm. we source, mm-hmm. and protein, this protein, protein switch cheese. or sheath, yeah. Yeah. what's the relationship? There's a
0: relationship in terms of health and having, you know, behind it is obviously, you know, full mineral. So, eating a, a high nutrient dense diet, having all that nutrition, nutrition is going to affect the quality. And then longevity and how those cells regenerate. That I mean, it's all interrelated, right? But, I mean, the fact that it's a protein means it's got nitrogen in it, obviously. Um, but, yeah, it's about whole, whole, whole system health, right? And then we see things like, if you think of rheumatoid arthritis, is the deregulation of genes. And so what's disrupting that switching on or switching off is can be nutrition, right? For a lot of people, it's sugar. If you are dealing with rheumatoid arthritis, just cut sugar out for a while. Take a look.
2: Okay, sugar. Mm. Um, Not good for us, generally.
0: Yeah, just like raw white sugar. You know, not that anything's truly evil. It's just balancing life, right? Too much.
2: Because isn't there something about, like, yeast loves sugar. Mm -hmm. Yeast can then talk to your brain, talk Mm -hmm. to your body and go, you need more sugar. Need more sugar. Is that it? And no like
0: worse. candida, what I find is I meet a lot of people that are just full of yeast and candida. Young people, you know, they've got acne, got cravings for junk food. They want to eat their cream scones, <laughs> the extra sugar in the jam. Um, i it's, it's, it's your microbes that are doing that, which could be an imbalance. So if you feel like you just have to drink beer or you have to have that whole slab of chocolate or you need sugar to get moving, it's probably a microbial imbalance.
2: Have you got any tips on forming habits around not eating sugar
0: my brother had non-hodgkin's lymphoma part of these epigenome in my family Um, and he decided well i thought he was going to get diabetes because he'd drink like two liters of coke and a bag of lollies every day and i'm like dude you're gonna get diabetes and he didn't he got cancer and he's pretty darn sure that it was due to his sugar intake so he just stopped eating sugar that day and said sugar is poison and so if he, by telling himself that sugar was poison and having that, that sense that sugar is poison, every time he reached for that sweetening, he's like, no, it's poison. And, and it was like that. He never, he's, he hasn't eaten sugar for like 15 years or something. Um, so I think we all have different ways of, re, of, of rebuilding habits. And I think each of us has a different way that works. You know, for some people it's having an accountability partner or someone that's going to help you break a habit or. Journaling it down, or just tracking—you know, your thirty days—or see what AA is doing. There's different ways to, yeah, you know, to break our own habits. How have you broken habits? What naughty habits have you had?
2: Still, I still got them. I don't um, want to break my naughty habits. Oh yeah,
0: we keep those. They're,
2: what are they called? No, They're called sins.
0: <laughs> Vices.
2: <laughs> Vices. Uh, that's a good question, and I have. I'm halfway through a book called. Um, Atomic Habits. Oh, yes. I have, have you read that? Read that? Mm-hmm. It's good, isn't it? It is
0: good,
2: yeah. I'm, I'm yet to kind of – I've made lots of scribbles with a red pencil and I'm yet to sort of go through some of the exercises at the back of each chapter, but there's been some interesting – it came up the other day, I can't even remember where – that must be some my memory. Um, we did talk
0: about it yesterday, like changing your
3: environment.
2: Yeah, that, that's. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, there you go. It was only less to me four hours ago and I'd forgotten. So, yeah, <laughs> but I have that. I have that thing. I know I've had a conversation with someone. I either can't think of that person or the or the or the or the, or the location, which is a bit worrying. But um, yeah, no, it is. And, and I love the idea of attachment. Uh, i know, that's probably not the right word they 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 wrote in the book. But like, if you're already doing a habit. Mm-hmm then attach another habit to it and then you have more associated habits or whatever it is like every That's time right. having a cup of tea so when i have a cup of tea i'm not having a cup of tea at the moment, but i am creating the habit of when i have a cup of tea i do a part of this positive intelligence stuff a they call it a pq pq rep which is like a it's a circuit breaker like you or the ears, that, was, that's, that, that yeah. would be defined oh, as a PQ rep. Do this one.
0: Mm, stretch those ears.
2: Oh. For those listening and not watching.
0: <laughs> just pull them out just gently. Pull, yeah. Not too hard, but just stretch them out. We're now hooking into the vagal nerve, slowing the heartbeat down, relaxing. This is a good good stretch for those dealing with anxiety. And then you get your finger, not in the top rung, but in the next groove down. So we've got your ear hole there, and then there's oh, a yeah. groove. Put your finger inside that groove and very gently you're going to massage the skin. You're not um, trying to hurt just the skin Mm. and you rub that. I think it's generally better to do one ear at a time than the other. You're resetting the vagal nerve. So a lot of us, you know, especially I think people dealing with fires, long, like drought, you know, that long drag on the whole energetic body. This is a great, simple reset. It's one I, I do when I feel overwhelmed. And that's like that. You don't have to do it for like 20, 30 seconds. And
2: it's not like you have to put on special clothes and go and do something like you pee. You can do it when you're talking to someone.
0: Well, you could do it on a full moon naked. That would be your thing. I
2: can. It like, would be great if you sure. do that. Sure.
0: So yeah, do yeah. that. But no, and that's it, all you're it. that's all you're allowed to
2: pull. Okay? You when you're doing when you're doing that. Your ear. Yeah. That's pulling it. the chick. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, so I'm I'm always really because in our work we're dealing so much with people that are in flight and fight, in the freeze mm-hmm. mode, uh, in numbness, when you when you're working with agricultural people there's been so much stress and so much coming at people for such a long sustained time I think often we don't even realize how numb we've become or how shut down or how overwhelmed so even when you talk about overwhelmed, people like I'm fine I'm like are you good in COVID oh I'm just fine you're like "Mm mm-hmm let's talk about fine which is what uh what do they say fine is insecure Neurotic and neurotic
2: emotional.
0: emotional. <laughs> and I'm to like, write that down. <laughs> um, yeah, you're just NA, fine. Neurotic emotional. <laughs> so I think there's a piece in, in there of the importance of just coming back into what we call the ventral system where now creativity is possible. Like I can feel like, oh, you can even hear it in my voice, right? You just get more relaxed. And for some people that, that actually can be really hard to do because you're so used to being hypervigilant. And just you know looking for what's happening the threat.
2: It's funny you say that because in the world of PQ mm. hypervigilance is a saboteur. It's mm. one of ten. Oh. So your main one's judge mm-hmm. And then we all have there's there's there there are about nine others like avoider pleaser hypervigilant, hyperachiever, hyper mm-hmm. achiever, hyper rational yep. and there's you anyway, know there's a few more and we all have judges the runners the show. Yeah, judging yourself, judging others, and, and judging uh, judging the world. Yeah, yeah, you know, like a situation, mm-hmm. and then we have our accomplice, saboteurs, and minor pleaser and avoider, mm-hmm. and then we have sort of lesser degrees of the others. We all have them at different degrees, <clears throat> and so. Um,
0: Which is a good piece it's of interesting you say, "Know right?" Tiring. like know yourself because no, your
2: weaknesses, are sort of thing, you know. Well.
0: Yeah, I like to frame them as weaknesses. I just think they are our armor. They are what has enabled you to survive and get to where you are now. And there's good, bad, and ugly for all of it. Um, But just to know those early warnings so that you can choose to reset or you can choose to change the situation or you can just swim in that swamp because you're used to feeling like that, like Namoa. Whatever, being, like walking on eggshells or working really hard, the overworkers. And what's really interesting to me is, is that as that state increases, your pain threshold increases because your body's yeah. literally preparing itself for death. And so I, I talked to farmers who were like, you know, they just hit their thumb with a hammer, and they were like, oh, and it was all right. And I'm like, no, no, it really wasn't. Your, your fingernails falling off—that must have hurt like. Buggy. You need,
2: you yeah. need, a, you need a hospital. You
0: need the hospital, and you're like, no, she'll be right, mate. No, no, you're actually in a um, a survival state.
2: And those traits or those tendencies were useful when you're little.
0: Yeah.
2: And then they kind of don't service anymore. Maybe not oh. the hammer, hammer hitting thing.
0: Yeah, well, it tells you not to hurt yourself with a hammer again.
2: Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, and and they, they use the example of, okay, you, you burn, you put a hand on a hot stove. Mm-hmm. Um, the first millisecond, half a second, whatever, is useful because mm-hmm. it tells you to get it off.
0: Yeah, hopefully even. Like, and then you but, but what we do
2: is we, we often leave it there, you mm-hmm. know, in a um um figuratively speaking when we're in a self-deprecating mm-hmm. avoider pleaser, uh, name yeah. it kind of thing. It's yeah. really interesting stuff. Um I had what else I have for you Singing. I don't singing. know but we've
0: been talking for 15 yeah, minutes. Do you want to, you want to finish? Last question. Oh, question. really? Yeah,
2: singing. Oh, okay, singing. Oh, hang on. I just want to make sure if it's Oh no, I do have one. I have got one from a from a person from yesterday.
3: <laughs> oh,
0: I
2: like that. It's, it still looks long, doesn't
0: it? Oh, a question from a
2: so, yep. yeah from, uh, Kate? from a listener from a listener from a from a viewer from yesterday from an attendee. Please ask Nicole uh, about the comment, and this is from Orange. That long recovery times lead to poor and uh, animal it's performance just is a just a paradigm. A paradigm. Yep. Uh yeah, and then there's a, there's a technical question, Yeah, okay. we won't get into that. But okay, well, let's do the top one.
0: So, uh, what we're referring to specifically is like, long recovery tall grass grazing systems create poor animal performance, poor animal weight gains, poor animal health, is a paradigm. And what I mean by that is, we can see that um, is true in a conventional system, right? So when you're operating conventionally, if or in using industrial models or your uh, set stocking or whatever. If you if you shut the gates and left that field for a long time and enabled that grass to get tall um, and reproduce and all the rest of it, if you brought animals into that situation, they are going to lose performance. You are going to get um, lower weight gains. Um, you might see animal health struggle, right? So that in that paradigm and in that view of seeing the world, that's true. Once we start to build soil health, build microbial components, in particular fungi, we see a change in the quality of the pasture that we're growing. We see a change from a calcium pectate to a um, – from a magnesium pectate, which is a low-brix, low-metabolizable energy form of a pectin, the green stuff that joins the cells. As we build fungi into the system, they release a bioavailable calcium. That calcium becomes calcium pectate in the cells – in between the cells of the plant. Um, And so when animals graze upon that, we see higher bricks, significantly higher bricks, which is a measure of sugars and dissolved solids and photosynthesis. Uh, We'll see higher MEs. We'll see higher weight gains in animal performance. So the paradigm shifts into the paradigm of soil health and vibrant life, uh, then that that is now the truth. The truth is you can now get at better animal performance off taller grasses than what you could do previously. And so what I find is a lot of the rules that apply in conventional agriculture are true in conventional agriculture until we start to introduce vibrant, diverse life, soil organic matter and humus and just build that structure of soil health. Now those paradigms change.
2: Uh, can you measure... Magnesium pectate and calcium pectate?
0: You're going to measure that more as an outcome. Um, you'll see higher calcium levels in your plants. You will see weight gains in ME and bricks. Okay, yes.
2: so you can't go, you could, give me a measure. I mean, you could. But that's probably a bit so more So some labs
0: do that, and it's just navel-gazing at that point, I think. But yep. we did this originally trying to figure it out in tall grass dairy systems, how we were getting such good performance.
3: Yeah.
0: Um, and so that was some of the measures we were looking at.
2: Um, so you did touch on that second question there, anyway. So I'm, yeah. in, anyway, in a very clever way. Um, okay, then, Bloody party pooper. We oh, um, biomorphic. Go on. Oh, biomorphic silica is magic stuff. How, oh, is magic stuff? How do we get it? Mm. Did you talk about biomorphic silica? Oh, biomorphic
0: silica. silica. You're going to like this.
2: Mm. Mm.
0: So biomorphic silica. So silica and silicon comes like silica is the most one of the most common elements in the crust of the planet and in soil right just silica there's a lot of silica it's what makes up sand Um, and what's interesting is it comes in thousands of different forms and and that one of the forms is called biomorphic silica or silicon like a silicon gel and it's formed by microbiology in soil and steiner was onto this because one of the things that Rudolf Steiner promotes was the use of 501. 501 is a ground silica you put into the cow horn and you spray. So if you get into biodynamics, you'll learn about that. But what's interesting is that one molecule of this biomorphic silica holds onto 700 molecules of water.
2: Get out of here.
0: I know. Shut the front door. So there's something really interesting, and what we find is if you are cultivating your land, if you are overgrazing, if you're compacting those soils, waterlogging, you lose your biomorphic silica. We lose our ability to hold on to water in a phenomenal way, Um, and so we find you can test for this. It's less than 1% in conventionally managed properties, and they've measured it at, at At 6%, and I don't even know if that's even the best soils. So I think we can get even higher biomorphic silica, and so it's part of, just think of silicon gel. That's what these microbes are creating and converting the raw silica form into, is this gel that holds onto water.
2: So when you say 1% or 6%, so of the the amount of silica in a soil, if you can, you know, 6%, Of that being, if it's, if it's in the biomorphic state, mm-hmm. is good.
3: Yeah, it would be phenomenal. It's
2: amazing. And so, I guess the higher, then, then the more silica in a soil, the more potential for water holding capacity.
0: Not necessarily. No. Uh, because you have soils that are really high in silica <laughs> and they're called white. Oh, you guys call them the silver loams. They're sand. <laughs> <laughs> sorry <laughs>
3: folks our
2: friends feelings. in South Australia our oh, friends in, NWI, in Australia. yeah um, but is that not uh, uh, is, does that create potential every
0: single soil uh, right yeah. it is the most common element you're not going to have to worry about getting silica in it's the form
2: yeah and, uh, and, then, then, and therefore and availability yeah right
0: yep so drawing in sunlight so how, how do we do that how do we
2: how do we if we've got a soil and we want to um, crank up the biomorphic silica content yep we have to activate bio, bio, soil biology, biota you just, activity.
0: You just asked me the question of how do we build soil, right? So that's well, a, we didn't that's even. A the, 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 that
2: was like in two but hours, again, twenty that's minutes like, what later. Do you love?
0: I mean, how do you build a healthy child? Is what you just asked me effectively? Because <laughs> <laughs> it's all interrelated, right? It's all just the journey of how do we build soil health. Stop killing stuff is a good place to start. Mm. Mm, let's do that, and then yeah. Through that whole process of what's been holding you back, what's the drag on the system? Ask the question Is it me? Yes, probably is.
2: And your book, your new book, mm-hmm. is kind of bridging or bringing together mm-hmm. soil. How do you build good soil? How do you build good people? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that was a was that kind of is that a is that that's obviously just the order that's happened. Mm. Um, is that because you're is foundationally your knowledge of soil has, has got you to, to, to that point and or is it more your personal experience or bias that's got you to go, oh, I'm going to write a book about, I mean, essentially human health, yeah?
0: Well, no, because I mean, it's you'd... all of it, right? It's why has animal behaviour changed? Why are bison, because it's interesting to my Lakota friends, why do we see the change in how bison behave? That's epigenetics. It's not being genetics. It's like they talk about animals that you could shoot 30 bison before they'd stampede, right, with muskets. And now you have an animal that's so flighty and so dangerous for many. And it, it's, it's in the handling, right? We're changing the genetic expression of the, the, the progeny through the handling of the mother or of the grandparents of the great-grandparents. So I think this applies to every single aspect. Like what are we doing with plant genetics, well, what are we doing with plant breeding? What's the environment that plant was bred in? How do we change that genetic expression so that plant will become more resilient, more able to communicate with biology? So we have plants that no longer communicate to mycorrhizae, to protozoa. They've lost their ability to communicate through plant breeding.
2: Human human plant breeding. Human yeah. plant breeding. Yeah. yeah,
0: just screwing with the... Yeah, like it's that single focus of I want more production. It's like focusing on racehorses and going I want something fast, and then you lose hooves and you lose
3: mm.
0: mental state, and you get these mentally deficient Crazy. horses. Yeah. <laughs> That's just because you've been focusing on one single selection. So no, I think it, I think it applies to every single aspect of life, and it's why I'm so interested in in it in my in my and just seeing the impact on my own family and seeing and hearing people's stories. Oh my god, like military stories or exposure to. Atomic, the atomic testing. I met people that like their epigenome is now altered for multi. Atomic testing in
2: Australia, no, Bikini Islands. Oh wow, yeah, Yeah.
0: and like seeing the impacts on those families. So you can see it really dramatically. And then, you know, I've met people that have come out of Bosnia. I met people that have Mm. come out of you know Dutch populations out of World War One, where they're seeing alterations to the epigenome because of nutrition, because of stress, because of starvation. And then, how long does that last for? So anyway, we can't talk about it now because it's still being written, but I'm really excited,
2: right? <laughs> so am I. I'm, and, and I that is, that is and, such and a. now m- someone
0: else is going to write the book before me because they're like, I heard this podcast, so I wrote a book and it's well, going to be amazing. And if and that.
2: Is, no, well, hang on. If this has prompted you to get um, yeah, you just your arsenic here. Yeah, like, oh. yeah, that's oh, right.
0: Because once, once you put something out, even just in consciousness, it. Yeah, anyone could do it now.
2: <laughs> well, isn't it? Might one might be one,
0: writing it. One,
2: well, one last thing or two things. I'm just going to send that to the uh, epidemiological, no, the um, Epigenetics <laughs> As- Association of America, just just so that scares you to get on with it. Yeah, but be, it uh, might be boring. <laughs> <laughs> or, or made up or, or, or full of all sorts of other agendas. We don't want
0: it to be boring.
2: No, no, no. Oh, yeah. And then um, that does remind me, we'll leave on this note, um, I read a book. Some time ago, called uh, I can't remember what it was about. Now it was called. Um, no, I remember what it was about. No, it was the <laughs> oh, terrible. I should. Have, I didn't. I didn't think I was going to talk about it. so I come out with a book? Mm. But it talked about. Um, you know the author. I can't even name either. It's terrible. I it can't was, even uh, guess
0: if you don't even let me know the content.
2: No, the uh, the that an idea comes to us. Mm-hmm. It's a gift. Mm-hmm. And if we don't do something with it, it'll go to someone else. Yeah. 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 And someone else will literally write the book. Yeah. I'm not, this is not, I'm not, this is not like a a, a warning or a threat. No,
0: my my stepdad wrote um, a whole book um, about blue giant people that were connected to the earth and connected to animals and they lived in forests and then they lived with whales and he even made models and then he worked on it for like 20 years and then Avatar came out. No. (laughs) And I'm like, He's, he just could never get the confidence to publish it, and I'm like, dude, you wasted 20 years. You could have, you could have been James Cameron.
2: <laughs> I mean, I can
0: show you the picture. He did an Avatar.
2: No, in this book, there were similar stories of someone who had an idea, yeah, for a book or might have been for a movie. It was a significant idea that they didn't develop, mm-hmm. and they literally did the same. They walked into yeah. a bookshop and went.
0: Oh my god! Oh, there, fuck, it is. there it is. No, no. That's Two why, years
2: later, it was written by someone else exactly. So, anyone thing. who's
0: thinking about writing a book, go do it. Just not the one on epigenetics. Please.
2: Yeah, don't, don't do that. Do no, but I think that's. I'm, I'm glad we touched on it because it's mm-hmm. enough to get people excited about the launch of the book. It'll <laughs> put a fire on your ass. Your ass, and I think it's a really. It's going to be a really mm-hmm. significant publication because of what it's. I dare I say, is going to pull together from your experience, from connections with the soil and animal, and the whole. Cosmos, so I'm really stoked, mm. Nicole. Can I say we will have to wrap it up, and I'm so, I am can not tell you how much you're still here. Thanks this does not you feel mean. like two and a half hours. No, can't um, be like
0: that. We did move tables for quite a while.
2: Yeah, went we for we we had other disturbances, lovely, lovely disruptions. Um, mm. Thank you so much. I will allow you to go and mm-hmm. um, have a stretch, and then we'll do a quick right. ten-minute Q and A for our Patreon members. Mm-hmm. If you want to hear what Nicole has to say about some very probing personal questions. Um then you'll have to join our Patreon community at that. au. Nicole that's been so wonderful. I think we've sh- I'm just so grateful you've shared you've you've shared so many lovely um um stories and and concepts and I love that we didn't even talk about your life
0: yeah, no, we didn't.
2: <laughs> For those, <laughs> Nicole did, 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 so did. So please don't did, ask me did, where did you
0: grow up. <laughs> um, I hear that question. We'll
2: she then. started by saying, "Oh, we're not going to talk about my life, are we?" We're going, yeah, no, okay. No, well, no, well, the, no, the, the, well, the pyramid set it all off. The pyramid did set it off. Mm, does Martin know he's got a pyramid here? I, don't I would know. say so. I just can't tell him. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thanks, <laughs> Nicole. Bye. Bye. And on next week's episode of the Regenerative Journey, I'll be interviewing Johannes Meyer. He's one of the principals of Danthonia Christian Community up at uh, Inverell in northern New South Wales. A wonderful community of people doing wonderful things, um, growing their own food, uh, creating a rich um, environment and culture of food production. um, And sat with Johannes there some months ago now. Uh, but his story is still rich in my ears, um, given the, the, interruptions, the interruptions we had along the way. But you'll have to look forward to uh, listening to that and uh, all his yarns next week on The Regenerative Journey.
1: This podcast is produced by Rhys Jones at Jaeger Media. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe, share, rate and review. For more episode information, please head over to www.charliearnett.com.au.